T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's Jeremy White. If you're making chicken cacciatore, you don't need cantaloupe. And Joe DiBiase. You don't need it. But you could have it. You make chicken cacciatore, you swap out all the pieces of chicken for little pieces of cantaloupe. Your special has now become not very special. You have to do a great job of shaping the cantaloupe to make it look like chicken. That's not that hard to do. What, what is that? What is that? People are looking at their chicken cacciatore to decide if there's cantaloupe in there. <laughs> Maybe they are now. I'm done. Standing here with a bunch of idiots. Good luck, superstars. All sports, all the time. And apparently a little food talk, too, on WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... We have to talk about the elephant in the room right off the bat. It's not in the room, it's outside. Um... You know, maybe you wake up in the morning, maybe the alarm goes off, you're still in bed, we pop on, you hear this day, you hear my voice, sorry, good morning, hi, uh, don't look outside. Right, Josh? There's snow on the ground. If you, uh, <laughs> I was going to, I was going to try and soften the blow. Oh, uh, I, I, I like when people just tell me stuff right <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, you, have, you have a couple options. One, you know... Suck it up, get through a day, because it's supposed to be nice again by the end of the day. We knew this this little plunge in the weather was coming, and then by tomorrow, we're right back in the 50s. But today, the high is 30, and there's snow on the ground. It got cold and windy fast yesterday. I don't know where you were. I was at home, and I had to run errands right before dinner, and, you know, the last week or so it's been getting nicer and nicer and i'm going out in a t-shirt and maybe some shorts mixed in comfy shoes i walked outside yesterday running these errands and i did the thing where you yell and swear out loud to no one like jeez like you're almost yelling at the wind itself it was was rough it was a rough adjustment josh i I don't i was ready to declare winter over i if i'm looking at the the 10-day forecast the lowest high after today 
is 46. Like we're we're cruising. I think what's most shocking is on Monday it's going to be 68. Yes. Like that's crazy to me that it's 22 right now and it feels like 8 degrees and in 4 or 5 <laughs> days it's going to be almost 70. The real feel is 8. That's that's real. I mean, I call it the real feel. I guess it's got to be real. The real feel is 8 degrees because of the wind chill. It's not exactly surprising. Maybe we're having this one-off day because it is a leap day. Happy February 29th, right? We've got this day that happens once every four years. So it's got to be an outlier. But, man, there's actual snow on the ground. Uh, if you have a car starter, start it. <laughs> get, get it ready. Get it warmed up. I'm the kind of person that once I get to this time of year, I've already decided I'm not wearing a winter jacket again. I didn't I didn't today. I wore, you know, just like a quarter zip and a vest. And I will I don't care. Real feel eight? Mm-mm. Feels like that's losing. I walked out to my car and I pulled on the handle to open it and I thought it was still locked because the door was frozen shut. And wow. I heard like the Crunchiness, the crunchiness in like the the seal on the door as I opened it, and I pulled it, and it didn't open. And I double checked my lock to see if it was still locked, and then I pulled it again harder, and it was like, wow, like I haven't had to do that in a couple of weeks. Yeah, like, yeah, didn't expect that this morning. No, so prepare yourself emotionally for the, the the sight of snow. I mean, last night before going to bed, I saw flurries, flakes, a little bit, but I, I did not expect to get up and see honest to goodness accumulation in the yard, which is where we're at so anyway prepare yourself there's snow on the ground could i tell you that i had a very very loose sabers comparison come to mind about this snow it's i know this is what my brain is broken all the time anyway and it's just this so the say <laughs> you're looking at me like what on earth could they just go with me for a second here. i think i know where you're going but maybe i'm ah, wrong Let's, maybe you do I'll hear you out so coming out of winter into summer is a sometimes slower process than you'd like, but you can definitely see that it is happening. All right. Last week we had 50s. We had sunshine a couple days in a row, really nice weather. And then, hey, that's weird. There's one day in there where that progress looks like it went backwards. And then the next day it looks like we're going to get back on track. You see where I'm going? Yeah, I, that's not where I thought you were going, but I definitely see it now. That's that's pretty good. It's, you know, sometimes on a, a, a ascension or on some sort of slower than you'd like it to be coming out of winter into spring and nicer weather, there's that one day that pulls back and makes you think, wow, are we stuck here forever? And maybe that's the saber season. It's a fluke. Well, you know, it's just a occasional... Mm, blip, an occasional uh, slip, whatever you want to say. Where did you think I was going? Because that, that means you had your own thought about how to compare this weather to the Sabre season. I thought it was about you know showing up at the last minute for one last gasp and then <laughs> going away forever. That's what I thought you were going with. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway. Good morning. Jeremy White with you. Joe's out today. Nate is in, coming in at 7 o'clock. Nate will join me for the rest of the show. Josh Schmidt is here producing, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll chat. Sal's coming up from the Combine. He'll join us at 7 o'clock. And at 8 o'clock, Anthony Prochaska from Cover One. You might see him posting stuff online. Maybe you don't. That's okay. He's all the time 
chopping it up, chopping up film, talking about these receivers, these defensive linemen. I might every time I get a guest on, I say, as I'm asking the guest to come on, I promise you, I won't only ask you about wide receivers. I promise you, we'll eat our vegetables. We'll do the other positions. We'll do all that stuff. So that's coming up at eight, and uh, yeah, a lot of other stuff along the way. I did, I did see something about the receivers that I found interesting about one guy in particular that I wanted to get to early because it actually there's it's a bit of a callback. Brian Thomas Jr. Maybe you've seen him mocked to the Bills. Maybe that's your favorite idea. Brian Thomas Jr., wide receiver, LSU, the second best receiver on his team. The draft is so good, by the way, for that. If you want to talk down any one player, you just you find something and you say it, and it doesn't have to mean anything. Like, oh, wow, you'd re- he's the second best guy in his own team because Malik Neighbors is on this LSU team. So if you want that, you can have it. But anyway, if you if you today at any point pull up highlights of Brian Thomas Jr., I have a comparison to make to Sammy Watkins, and that, and not in any sort of way to be, it's not going to work out, trading up for him would be bad, nothing like that. I, just, I saw something from Brett Coleman today about Brian Thomas Jr. that I found really interesting and highlights, I think, highlights what the job of the draft is. And... You know, sometimes this goes without saying. Sometimes it's important to remind ourselves that what we're watching these teams try to do, not exactly we're trying to do it. I'm not out here scouting him myself. I'm waiting to see what the Bills decide to do with their roster and some of these players. And I think the Bills are an example of a team that really does a good job with what I'm about to get to. So this goes back to Sammy Watkins. So when the Bills trade for Sammy Watkins, I don't know if you remember that year leading up to it. Watkins was a receiver that was near the top of another class that was supposed to be a great wide receiving class, right? The 2014 NFL Draft had Watkins, it had Mike Evans, Odell Beckham Jr. We saw a lot of pre-draft, hey, there's a good group of receivers, and I'm not even really sure if if we had a wide receiver train going. It's 10 years ago, right? 10 years ago, we're sitting there, trying to get a quarterback for E.J. Manuel. I remember being big on Mike Evans, and most of the arguments about that were, is Evans the reason the Texas A&M offense was great, or was it Johnny Manziel? And of course, you know, in retrospect, at least from the NFL scouting point, it's Mike Evans. But that class has Watkins, Evans, Odell Beckham Jr., Brandon Cooks, Calvin Benjamin, Marquise Lee, I'm in the second round now, Jordan Matthews, former Bill, Paul Richardson, don't remember him. Devontae Adams goes in the second round. Allen Robinson in the second round. Jarvis Landry in the second round. Like Just in the first two rounds, guys that ended up having nice NFL careers, guys that made Pro Bowls, it is Evans, Odell, I don't think Benjamin made one, but two of those guys at the end. Devontae Adams did, Allen Robinson did, Jarvis Landry did. Anyway, back to Watkins. So, I saw this thing about Brian Thomas Jr. It made me think of Watkins, and what was that? Sammy Watkins, when he was coming out of the draft 10 years ago, yes, I remember, there was a number on him, I'm not going to remember the exact stat, but it was how maybe 50 or 60% of his targets were at or behind the line of scrimmage. And the knock on Watkins was, I don't know if he can do everything because look at where they throw him the ball. He, He constantly gets screens, bubble screens, a lot of his 
potential targets, a lot of his skill set in that Clemson offense is screens. And are you going to draft a receiver at the top of the draft if you don't really know that he can do everything else? I mean, Watkins, of course, showed plenty of physical gifts, had great hands, but the way that Clemson used him was as a bubble screen guy. Kind of like the way the Bills used Diggs at the end of this year, a little bit. Like, Diggs caught passes that were close to the line of scrimmage in an effort to just get in the ball. And that's what Clemson did with Watkins, and I can remember their coaches talking about it up to the pre-draft process. We haven't necessarily quite gotten full into the college coaches pump up their guys towards getting them up in the draft yet. I mean, that has happened a little bit. That'll happen a little more. But the Clemson coaches explained a few things. One, they did it because they wanted to get the ball into Sammy's hands. And two, the way that teams played him, they threw him the ball close to the line of scrimmage in, in an effort to kind of break them out of defenses and how they would how they, they would defend Watkins. So what the Bills had to do, what every team would have had to have done that year in the draft, is, all right, remove him from the offense, and what what do we see that he can do? Do we see the footwork that will allow him to run a full route tree? Do we see the ability to track the ball deep down the field on those ones that he was thrown down the field? And this is true of a lot of receivers, a lot of this year's class as well. And it's a reminder that, you know, the job is scout the player, not the results. You know, you watch the highlights, you watch the film, all the film is is results. And there could be more in there. And if I think about the Bills and how they've done this in the past, two prime examples, and there are, there are going to be multiple others if you want to bring some up, if you can think back, multiple examples of drafting a guy that did not have experience doing a thing and the Bills didn't care. They went for athleticism or they saw that the player in question had those abilities. I'll give you two off the top of my head, and I'm sure there's more. If you can think of one, you can add it into this conversation at 803-0550. Number one I think about I think about is Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary, when he's at college, did not catch the ball out of the backfield, and the Bills didn't seem to care. That's fine. We think he can do it. And he came here, and he was not exactly a full pass-catching back, but he got thrown the ball plenty. And that's a guy who, on the scouting report in college, would have been like, well, he doesn't catch many passes. Turns out he can. Bills did not fear what he couldn't do in the offense because he wasn't asked to do it. Another is, of course, Dawson Knox. Right? Dawson Knox. Tight end, no career touchdowns in college. How good could this guy be? He never caught a touchdown in college. Okay, not a problem. They see the skill set. They bring him here, and he's had a nice career. You know, not every pick is going to be a massive boom or a massive bust. You have guys that are just pretty good and showcase what they can do in the league. And that brings me to this stat I had on Brian Thomas Jr. that reminded me of all this. And I'm really eager to see what the Bills, of course, do in the draft. And, you know, we've got more than 50 days till we get there. But whatever. I think it's a constant talking about it and thinking about it with the Combine. So Brett Coleman of – where is Brett Coleman? i got to find out. Sorry, let let me double check this. He does his own stuff, great film studies, great long breakdowns of offenses during the season, of draft prospects. And anyway, Brett Coleman does a great job. He had a stat on Brian Thomas Jr. and on Malik Neighbors, for that matter. The LSU offense, what was it? LSU offense in the passing game with Jaden Daniels and those two receivers was tons and tons of slot fades. So much so that on 
slot fades or go routes that what you saw was go routes from the slot all the time and go routes from Brian Thomas Jr. and go routes from Malik Neighbors. LSU had two receivers with with incredible speed. I saw both referred to as speed merchants on Danny Kelly's The Ringer mock draft and player comps. But Brett Coleman pointed out that 60% of Brian Thomas's Brian Thomas Jr.'s targets were on go routes. That he ran down the field, he ran away from people and that was it. And if you're the Bills, you've got to figure out, okay, can he do the rest of it? And you don't have as much of a body of work to find that out. But Brian Thomas Jr. was constantly running go routes. And if you if you watch the highlights, I mentioned this maybe a week ago or a week or two weeks ago to somebody. If you go pull up Brian Thomas Jr., what you're going to see is a lot of Gabe Davis-like touchdowns. And by that I mean, you know, what did Davis do for the Bills? He He ran go routes a lot. He ran deep down the field. That was something that he was constantly doing, running past a defender, throw it over the top. And this gets to a lot of the conversation about the wide receiver train and what, what guy you might like. The scouting reports are on what they've done, on athleticism, on skill sets, but one of these guys or two of these guys is going to be asked to do more, and they're going to flourish in it. And just to point this out, if I told you there's a guy – in this year's class that people are comparing by people I see, like three or four different draft comps and you know comps are dangerous because they can create expectation but there's a couple in this class that have a CD lamb comp and it's not a guy that's expected to go in the first round CD lamb because he's smooth in the way he runs his routes Adnai Mitchell he might not go in the first round he might do the Bills look at him and see the skill set of C.D. Lamb? If I offered you C.D. Lamb to enter this Bills offense, would you take it? Like, uh, yeah. That's a guy that was drafted in the first round and blossomed pretty quickly. Lamb in his first two seasons didn't have a ton of targets, but he had good production. And his targets in the last two seasons have almost, well, not quite doubled, but gone up considerably. And you know, it's kind of like, I, I, it's not exactly the Diggs timeline but there are lots of receivers that, given the opportunity to do more, will do more. And maybe that's why so many of them ask for the ball, want the ball, want to be in an offense that passes it more. Because, you know, there's skill and then there's opportunity. And for Brian Thomas Jr. in this spot, there's a there's plenty of chatter. When we ask draft analysts, what do you think? Who Who's the guy that could, A, come in and contribute right away, and B, develop into a full-time number one, one of the answers you get is Brian Thomas Jr. because he's so good at the one thing. He's so good at the thing that Gabe Davis used to be really good at or still is. And Davis is obviously a big part of this offense. And if you wanted to just replace Davis with a young player that has a somewhat similar skill set, size, speed, vertical routes, but will add more in, obviously that never really happened with Davis. And with Brian Thomas Jr. of LSU, maybe that's something you can do. A lot of this, a lot of these same points could be made for Troy Franklin, who is a speedster. You see plenty of stuff down the field, but you do see more over the middle. Can he develop into a number one? And that's that's big on the Bills' goals. You know, if you're if you're someone that's uh, 
tired of all the wide receiver talk and tired of the wide receiver train, I regret to inform you, we might still be here next year. <laughs> because don't don't give me that look, Josh. Don't sigh. No, 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 no. Every, I, if you, I, because if they draft one and then cut Diggs, which a lot of people say. Oh, I see what you're saying. A lot of people okay. are up now would say, okay, fine, Diggs can stay for another year. Perhaps a departure is more likely next year. Okay, then you got to go get one. See, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were going in the vein of like, what if they just don't draft one and we're here again? Oh next year no, this no, time? no, 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 no. The the league will not let the draft happen without the Bills taking one. They reverse the pick. The second round. The second if they if they go defense in the first round, and in the second round they take something other than receiver. Goodell would walk on the podium and like, hold up, hold up, hold up, guys. No, Goodell's going to be in a Brandon Bean costume making the pick for the Bills. <laughs> That's right. Who does the second round picks this year? It's a good question, right? You've, you'll have guest pickers. Don't they have fan of the year do that sometimes? Like would sometimes Reed that's the third that? or the fourth or the fifth. Okay. I think if I remember correctly, now the second round is often team legends. Depends. Again, we're like yeah, because fi- Pat McAfee did one last year for the Colts. Yeah, I don't remember what round though. Yeah, I think it was second or third. And Bruce Smith did one for the Bills at one point. Mm-hmm. Okay, get Josh Allen up there to pick the receiver. Let's go. Get him on the podium. Tell him to pick who he wants. So anyway, all that on Brian Thomas Jr., just a point that jumped out at me. Like, oh, here's another. It's not exactly Sammy Watkins, of course, but you're trying to figure out, okay, what does he do? Bank that. If you just banked everybody on what they can do, then you get to the potential. And that's where boards, you know, I get hung up on draft boards a lot. Mainly that we never see them, ever. And we're just told to trust them and believe them as if you could put, what's the grade on Brian Thomas Jr.? Oh, it's an 86. What's the grade on Troy Franklin? Oh, it's an 85. Well, what's the difference? Do you feel like one has more potential? Is it more about ranges? Is it more about ceilings, floors? I have a tough time with one singular number. And if the Bills are on the clock and pick them between two guys that they have similar, is the potential built in? Do they want the guy with the higher ceiling or the higher floor? Like There's a million parts of this that are up for discussion, and the board is taken as gospel that we never actually see. So that's a little you know digression for me. 803-0550 and 1-888-550-2550. If you want to call in, join us. It's fine. We'd love to have you. We'd love to hear from you. You know, if there's a thought to offer on receivers, go for it. If it's on something else, you know, we'll we'll dig into other stuff. A lot of news came out of the combine yesterday. The NFL player poll on these franchises, I think, drives home an important lesson. I've got really good snark on that. I'm ready to just snark away. So we'll get to all that as well. Eight oh three oh five fifty. We'll start off connecting with our, connecting with our fans. Brought to you by Northtown Kia. Shop online at northtownkia.com. Western New York's number one Kia dealer. Virginia Beach, Quentin. Quentin, good morning. Hey, good morning. Hey, uh, it just, you know, it brings to mind Justin Shorter. Um, you know, you talk about replacing Gabe Davis. You know, the hope was that, you know, he was going to be able to step in. I know, you know, he went away uh, last year, and then at the time he was practicing with the, the first team, but then was placed, you know, I guess back. I don't, I don't know if he was placed back on IR or they just uh, shelved him for a while, but, uh, any thoughts on, you know, or any news, or have you heard anything about uh, Justin Shorter? Um, appreciate you guys. Love to, love to listen yeah, to you. Yeah, thanks, Quentin. I'll make a point to ask Sal about him at the top of the hour. 
I've heard a phrase used for shorter that I, that I kind of like, like it's a redshirt year because he didn't really play and he was hurt for a lot of it. And they brought him back and activated him or opened the window to re- have him return. But the scouting report on, on shorter, I pulled this up from last year. Again, we haven't really seen much of him with the Bills, So I don't think it's nuts to go back on what the scouting report was at the time. And there are a lot of, you know, there's only so many things you can do at receiver, right? So there's going to be overlap. But if I start to read this, you do get some Gabe Davis, right? Big and long with build-up speed and skill set to attack defenses via intermediate and deep routes. That was Davis. There's very little short. And with shorter, big wingspan, intermediate and deep, willing to play at the top of the route, battle for the ball. For anyone out there that wants the Bills to go out and get a big target that's a contested catch kind of guy, but you can be a contested catch guy and not be big. Like Diggs has been that. Diggs has long been one of the best contested catch guys in the NFL, despite not having the huge size. But what shorter can shorter can be that. I mean, I'm not banking on him to be much. The best I can bank on shorter to be is the Bills take their receiver that's gonna be the next young stud rookie that we're all going to get excited about and then they say we didn't take one in the fourth round because we believe in Justin Shorter like okay I can I can get into that a little bit weaknesses for him slow getting off the snap loses route momentum making turns below average foot quickness for yards after the catch like I shorter if that's a special teamer long term we'll see maybe he gets a little bit of a role in this offense but I don't think he's ever really marked for anything more than a role in this offense. They would have seen him for a full year, and it's a good way to find out. If they don't take another one somewhere, that must indicate some faith in him. Of course, free agency, too. We've got a lot of decisions to make on free agency. The Bills do. Thanks, Quentin. Yeah, I I, I don't want to completely push him aside. I, I did that with Isaiah Hodgins, who we never really saw for the Bills. And then when he came in, he contributed, then went to the Giants and became a, a depth receiver. So with shorter, it's not thinking about them. If the draft ends and they only have one and they haven't added any depth there, then maybe I can hold out hope for a role player in this offense. 4-5 speed isn't exactly super fast. It was Gabe Davis's 40 time. Probably like 4-5. Four, 4-5-4. Five. Four, five, four. Yeah, exact exact same 40 time for the most part. One hundredth of a second off. 803 If you're on hold, stick with us. Get to more calls. It's the fun part of it, right? The scouting, what the Bills have to do. Brian Thomas Jr., lots and lots of goes. Doesn't mean it's all he can do. It means it's the Bills' job and every other team's job to figure out what else can he do, how good can he be. 803-0550. Nate joins me at 7. Sal also at 7. And uh, some cover one film cut-ups coming up at 8. It is, of course, another day on the wide receiver train. This day with snow. Yeah, there's there's, there's snow on the ground. Look here. outside right now. Oh, my God. What? When we started this segment, I could see the, the, the parking lot, and now I can't. Yeah, sorry for that extreme reaction, but I do the show with my back to the windows. I did not know this. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, everybody. <laughs> 24 hours. We'll get through it. Winter, winter will be over in 24 hours, I hope. 803-0550, front hold right to your calls next on WGR.
trading Josh Allen for the number one overall pick here does a few things. Number one, it allows you to get a quarterback that could be as good or even better than Allen is right now. You look at the scouting reports of Caleb Williams. I'm all in on the hype. I think he is going to, like, honestly give Mahomes a run for his money in five years to be the best quarterback in the NFL. You reset your timeline, by the way, because right now you are in a Super Bowl or bust mode. Even though you're not a Super Bowl caliber team, it is still right now Buffalo, Josh Allen, Super Bowl or bust. Well, now you get a rookie quarterback in, your timeline resets. Now, all of a sudden, you're afforded maybe a year or two to reset your cap and now start to make improvements to your roster that you really can't afford to do right now because every year you're going for it. You move off of Josh Allen's massive contract and now start to dig your way out of the cap hell you're in. Yeah, we didn't get to that yesterday. That is, his name is Ryan Hickey. He made the rounds yesterday and, you know, whatever. You want to say he did it for engagement or clicks, that's fine. Who cares? He did get absolutely roasted by, well, everyone, including his own co-workers. He, he works for CBS Sports Radio. He hosts the show Sunday nights overnight, and he's also on the JR Sport Brief show on CBS Sports Radio, a show I don't really know much about. But they brought him on to say, like, buddy, what are you talking about? Why would anybody say – why would the Bills in a million years say yes to that? Good morning. Jeremy White with you. It was listening to it. I mean, the first pick and the ninth pick for Josh Allen. Like He's like, yeah, who'd say no to that? Uh, Everyone ever the, in the uh, universe? The, the, it's not even close. <laughs> How about like, you could – I mean, listen, I know right now you're in a Super Bowl or bust window, but what if instead you got out of that? Oh. Yeah, just spend two years not being in a Super Bowl window. To reset your cap. Oh. Just go back to 2017. Just take a time trip back there. How about the two years of this deal are resetting the cap from like the $50 million cap that you take from trading Josh Allen? I did think of a exercise, a devilish exercise. Like, let's say that you had to. Josh Allen said, I don't want to play for you anymore. No matter what. It's over. We're broken up. And you started fielding offers. This is like, it's not that far off a McDavid trade. I mean, McDavid's the best, right? He wins the MVP all the time, so it's not quite McDavid. But what's, what are the deals? It's, okay, yeah, Chicago, uh, the first pick, the ninth pick, and DJ Moore, and Jalen Johnson, and Tremaine Edmonds. Nah, the Bills already passed on him. Yeah. But maybe <laughs> you're going to win with defense Well, I'm now. just looking at, like, value. Like, Sure, like, you'd have to give – I can't even if I can't even fathom. Put together a trade package for Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much it. Allen and X. Wild. Ryan Hickey. Who says no? I got this idea. The first and the ninth pick. You, too, could have Caleb Williams. All right. And the fact that he, in that, said he's going to give Patrick Mahomes a run for his money, I don't agree with that at all. I, I know. The I Caleb know. Williams stuff is just like, he's going to be good, but he's not going to be that good. We'll see. The idea of being as good as Mahomes. Mahomes is an all-time great already. He's the best ever, the fastest. I mean, you want to say Brady's greater, fine. Mahomes is better sooner. Maybe he doesn't play as long, but 
Mahomes' pace is to dust Brady. He probably falls off that pace on some level and probably doesn't play till he's 45. But, man, you got to make sure, you got to be careful not to fall in love. And I, I say this as someone who has formerly been in love with picks and prospects because picks and prospects represent this rosy future of what you might be. And sometimes you have to look at what you do have and say, why, why go to the picks and prospects land when we are close enough? The Bills are certainly close enough. The idea that, I mean, I just don't buy this idea at all, that the Bills' cap situation is going to make them uncompetitive this year. And they have to they have to spend so much resetting it. Look at the Bills' cap situation next year. It's generally fine. And in two years, they are already fine. The idea that they have to, in this guy's mind, Get out of that big contract for Allen. Big contract for Allen. By this time next year, unless he restructures, he'll be like the the mid quarterback paid in the NFL. Do you want it? I was going to save this for Nate, but I'll I'll just bring it up when he gets in. Do you want to know what Spotrack forecasts for the contract for Tua Tonga-Vailoa? There's a story that the Dolphins are going to spend. The combine and this, they're going to spend this free agency period. They're going to start looking into. Okay, it's time to talk about Tua's long-term deal. Tua is playing on the fifth-year option, and they got to sign him if they want to play longer term. Tua is a good quarterback who justifiably gets a lot of flack for big moments. They're not that good when they have to come from behind, but when they're in front or when they're. T- he won the passing title. I mean, he's he's good enough. When I looked at Spotrack's Tua page and the market value, I say this as someone who spends a lot of time saying that we just need to, with quarterback contracts, accept the passage of time. Of course they get bigger. They always get bigger. They're going to pay that guy that much, and still I gasped when I saw that Tua's market value was six years, $300 million. Gasp. (gasps) What? In this guy's world, you would trade Josh Allen, who's paid significantly less than that for a rookie quarterback. Now, there are some teams that that could be a conversation. In fact, Miami is one of them that maybe should consider, all right, do we want to pay our pretty good quarterback, top guy money. Brock Purdy, whenever his contract is up, this will be a conversation, right? When you've got these guys that are, I don't want to just pigeonhole game manager and Alan Mahomes, like there's only two tiers of quarterbacks here. But for these guys that are not thought of as that physically gifted, I'm waiting for the era or the team that will move on from that guy, move on from okay, he's pretty good, and move to somebody else. Because we're still at a stage where it does not happen as often as it should. When we talked to Matthew Collar on Tuesday this week about Minnesota and the Justin Jefferson trade rumors, he's very much pushing the idea that the Vikings should do not go back to the Kirk Cousins well another time. I know you might be afraid of where you go from here, but going back to this and continuing to spend $50 million a year on a guy like this, you just don't have to do that. You could take a rookie, and hopefully it works out. But resetting your cap at quarterback, that part of it from Ryan Hickey there, that part of it's not nuts. It is nuts for the Bills to consider doing it. It's not nuts for 
half the teams in the league to think, you know, uh, why are we doing this? The Saints, why are they doing this with Derek Carr? They're going to pay him forever. He's stuck there. If you're a team that's going to think about bringing in Baker Mayfield, right? Baker Mayfield's a UFA. How many years do you want to do that? How much money do you want to do for that? You probably don't want to go $50 million, But guys in the middle, whether that's Geno Smith, I'm just pulling quarterbacks at random that aren't the guys at the very, very top. Miami and San Francisco, though, and what, Detroit in the right scenario? Like, in the right scenario, think about the Jordan Love pick for the Packers. They make that pick with a guy that they can't bench right away. How many more picks would Jordan Love have gone before he went to a team where that quarterback was instantly in trouble? Or at least a lot sooner in trouble. If, I mean, the Patriots drafted quarterbacks when they had Tom Brady for a long time. None of those guys really threatened Brady until Garoppolo came along, and there was chatter they were going to move on from Brady that soon. But back to the original point about Ryan Hickey suggesting the Bills trade Josh Allen for the first and ninth pick. Man. <laughs> it's, it's, it's football in February, right? That, that's what we get. We, get. we get the takes. We get some good ones. 803-0550 and 1-888-552-550. Join us. Nate will pop in with me at 7 o'clock. Sal Capaccio, we check in from the Combine at 7 as well as uh, things keep moving. We heard from some defensive linemen yesterday and some that did meet with the Bills. Get Sal's thoughts on what kind of defensive linemen they might be looking for. If it's an interior guy, one guy, one of the guys from yesterday referred to the idea of playing next to Ed Oliver as Sac City. The two of them would be getting after quarterbacks a lot. The problem is they're maybe too similar. That might push the Bills away from this player, defensive tackle. And I heard Chris Trapasso on with Mike Shope yesterday say he's only got two defensive linemen, interior linemen, maybe in the first round. So that if the Bills were going to look at this position, it might be unlikely they get it in the first round. So a few of those names to mention. Maybe the, the plan with that with Sal coming up at 7. 850 to join us. I also have wild blow your mind stats, not stats, but facts on leap years that I didn't I didn't know until today. And if you thought the weather change was was intense here, somebody beat us. Somebody beat us. And how big of a drop that was. You get that next as well. That'll be our stat of the day. 8030550 to join us on WGR. Hey, speaking of Jelly Roll, be caller five to win tickets. Pair of tickets to see Jelly Roll at KeyBank Center October 6th. Tickets go on sale tomorrow, March 1st, 10 a.m. at Ticketmaster.com. Tickets courtesy of Live Nation. Caller five to win a pair of tickets to see Jelly Roll at KeyBank Center. Call 221-4WGR. During the break, I asked Josh, are you a country fan? He said, depends. And then we got into another conversation because I asked him, what is considered country and what's not considered country. He said Jelly Roll is sometimes yes. Yeah, I haven't listened to him all that much, but I know that people consider a, a country. good majority of his songs I, are, yeah. I am, by far, I'm not a country aficionado or have really never been a country fan. I say that because, as a precursor to, I don't know, I'm not the one to say something is or isn't country, pop country, this country, whatever. Is Zach Bryan country? To me, yes. Okay. I Zach, mean, in that case, Zach Bryan is the first country I, I dig it a lot. Yeah. His stuff is really good. Like, there's the there's the really well-known music he has, but then when you listen to his albums, there's, like, the deeper cuts that aren't really played on yeah. the radio 
that are just so good. Is Jason Isbell country? I don't know him that well. I, I do, and I feel I'm like sure. maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Like you know, whatever genres are. Sometimes the lines are written too, too perfectly, and guys are in and out of this box or that box. Because J- Zach Bryan reminds me of Jason Isbell, and I like Isbell, and I like Zach Bryan, and I don't know that that means that I like that. Whatever. Anyway, I want to go. See, I, I would like to. He's coming to KeyBank Center. Zach Bryan would love to see it. In like a couple of weeks, I think. Like yeah. March tenth or something. Yeah, and uh, tickets if you go online are. Well, on the secondary market, are expensive, is what it is. 803-0550. Anyway, good morning. Nate's going to join me in a minute. Jeremy White with you. Joe's out today. Combine rolling along. Continuing coverage at our website, WGR550.com. Bill's State of the Bills article from Sal today is defensive tackle. And when we talk with him about that at 7, we'll also talk about the defensive tackles because a number of them yesterday spoke, talked about meeting with the Bills, there's a couple different ones and a couple different ideas for the Bills here. First round, second round. I don't think there's any doubt they're going to kind of reset there. Then, of course, there's Daquan Jones and how that factors in. If they're able to bring Daquan Jones back, maybe they feel less you know, focused on getting a young guy. I mean, Daquan Jones is 32, so how many years are you going to commit to him? Two? Maybe. Anyway, 803-0550, one so the temperature drop and the snow ban. Patrick Hammer just tweeted out a picture. There's a seven-mile-wide lake effect snow ban going over the city of Buffalo and it's in south. So, yeah, it's uh, it's not great. It's not great <laughs> to look outside. You might see snow on the ground. You might see snow flying where you are. A minute ago, it was flying around here. Anyway, we had a big temperature drop, but it was not as big as just this same system that came through. In Milwaukee, in Milwaukee in the last 24 hours, the temperature dropped from 74 to 16, 24 hours. What did we go from? Like 66 or 64 to 20-something with a real feel lower. But in Milwaukee, from 74 to 16 in 24 hours. Cold system, snow, but hopefully this is... uh, the last gasp, and we're off into some spring pretty soon. 803-0550, our phone number. We'll check in with Sal. Nate Geary jumps in as well. Talk some free agency. Talk some defensive line and state of the bills with Sal at the website, State of the Bills Defensive Tackle. 803-0550, Combine coverage here on WGR. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. It's Sal Capaccio. 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 On WGR. Coverage of the NFL Combine on WGR brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Fast, sustainable weight loss, then free support for life. Awaken180weightloss.com. And by Outlet Liquor. When you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? Sal Capaccio joining us from Indianapolis, where, you know, Sal, every headline is, you know, the buzz in Indianapolis. The word in Indianapolis seems to be. The last one I read was <laughs> was that the Patriots are really leaning quarterback at number three. So that'd be interesting. What, what have you got? What's the buzz in Indianapolis uh, in the last 24 hours? Ooh, that's a good one. I do think I think the buzz in Indianapolis league wide is it looks like, you know, the top three picks are going to be quarterbacks. And yeah, I think all these teams are in position who need one. So it'd be really surprising at this point. I think the buzz is if the Bears, Commanders or Patriots jumped out of their spots because those seem to be earmarked for quarterbacks. And there happen to be three quarterbacks that most agree that are worthy of those three spots. Yeah. And if we just kind of play the draft out a bit, that likely means that Marvin Harrison Jr. goes fourth to the Cardinals. We think that he's wide yep, receiver. I one. think so. Now here, that, well, this is a good one. This is a good one, Jeremy. Now you know, say the buzz is right. So maybe not buzz, but I'll say this: one of the things that's coming out this week is there are a lot more people. I will tell you that are willing to share that they don't think Marvin Harrison. Mm, let me put it this way: they think Marvin Harrison's great. They think. They want to put Malik Neighbors maybe ahead of them. Hmm. Uh, there, there are more people willing to tell you that, and they do it with one of those. Listen, it's a qualifier. I'm not crazy, or you might think I'm crazy, <laughs> but then they tell you that maybe Marvin Harrison isn't the actual number one receiver in this class. Yeah, I know Chris Trapasso is one that has Malik Neighbors mm-hmm. ahead of Marvin Harrison right. Jr. Sales in Indianapolis. He's got a piece up on our website, State of the Defensive Line, the Defensive Tackle Position. And also, we can talk a little bit about Tredavious White and what the plan is there. So, I saw yesterday on defensive line. So, you did State of the Defensive Tackles. And yesterday, a lot of defensive linemen spoke. There's one guy in particular. First off, he wears number four while playing defensive tackle, which means I'm moving him up my board just for that. <laughs> Jerzon Newton of Illinois. He, he was at the podium and he mentioned. Ed Oliver specifically, and he mentioned studying Ed Oliver's game and referenced the idea of, like, if they were to play together, that would be Sac City. And, you know, there's there's a funny little thing here with, with the Bills and defensive line. They have Ed Oliver, and we mm-hmm. know that he's really good. They've just extended him. They're going to need help on the defensive line. Do you think they would go for another Ed Oliver type, right? Because the way that the so Bills— a great question. The, the way the Bills use their defensive line, they like to be a penetrating defensive line, but— they, of course, had guys like Daquan Jones and Linval Joseph signed off the street to kind of try and help things out. And if it was Star Latulale right off the bat, they're always going to want an anchor in there, it seems. And I wonder if they would ever spend the premium asset on that anchor kind of guy. So when, it, when, it, when you look at the state of the defensive line 
and how the Bills have historically built it with McDermott, is there a, a tell in the kind of guy they would spend a premium asset on? You know, we were talking yesterday a little bit in the afternoon about Byron Murphy, who's the same style, too. He's a little bit of a um, smaller guy. 6'1", 308. That's a smaller defensive tackle. And I I said the same thing you did. I I don't know if the Bills would do that. Now, he actually he said he met with the Bills, and that's how it came up. Now, that's great. And, you know, you'd love to have guys like Ed Oliver being able to you know play on your team every game. But I don't know if it's the greatest, you know, roster construction or at least how the Bills feel it feel it is to put those two guys next to each other. So the Bills are going to draft a DT high. I don't know if you want someone like Ed Oliver. You know what you want? Someone like Daquan Jones, right? I mean, Daquan Jones is, you know, 6'4", 320. He's a space eater, but he's also a penetrator because that's the defense, and he did so good at both of those things. To me, that's the kind of defensive tackle that pairs better with Ed Oliver on a game-to-game basis. Sure, do you love to have guys like Ed Oliver and just say, yeah, go go wreak, go wreck havoc, right? Re- uh, go, You cannot, but, but to me, I think you're giving up what, the Bills really like to do, which is have a, one, of, one of each and play off each other. And I think you're hurting your linebackers by doing that, which is one of the reasons why the Bills linebackers have been, you know, pretty good. If they don't have, if they can stay clean, you know, they can go make plays. So it's a really good question. And I've wrestled with that myself. This might come down to, you know, just if the guy was super much standing up on your board, like if you have yeah. your board and he's really high and you get to 28 and you're like how can we pass on this guy yeah he's not the exact fit we always like to have but you got to take him because he's just too darn good of a football player but i do think roster construction wise it's not really what the bills normally like to do when they put two dt's together yeah they again like in football this is the other thing sal you kind of have to pick what you're going to be good at and to mm-hmm. the I, maybe to the chagrin of some bills fans I know that Sean McDermott wants to be great against the run. Every defensive coordinator wants to be. But I do feel like the Bills have often prioritized how good they have to be against the pass, right? Pass and stop the pass. Of course, you do want to run and stop the run. But when they're when they're making choices, whether it's at linebacker or if it's at you know safety and corner, do their decisions generally tend to tilt towards the guys that are going to be a little bit better in the passing game? Like they're always going to, if all things are equal, what guy's better against the run? One guy's better against the pass. To the detriment of the run game, I feel like they've leaned on the passing game there. I think they have as well, especially in the evolution since Sean McDermott took over, and I think even when he became, you know, head coach in their roster construction. So I think a good indication of that would be a guy like Tremaine Edmonds. You know, Tremaine Edmonds was this new age type of middle linebacker. And a lot of people did say he was out of position. I might agree to a point. I would say, and I've, I've said this many times, Tremaine Edmonds is not an edge edge player, but he might have fit better in a 3-4 inside, not a 4-3 inside. You know what I mean? He's not a middle linebacker. Maybe his best trait is 3-4 inside linebacker because he's not a true middle linebacker running to A-gaps and plugging up runs. What is he? Sideline to sideline, and he's super rangy, and he was really good in zone defense, not in man-to-man, of course. You know, we saw him get beat there a few times. Just to, It's just too tough for him. But I think that's a great indication, Jeremy, what you're talking about, which is, Hey, yeah, I mean, they've you've kind of built their defense towards stopping the pass. Now, Matt Milano is just an all-everything type of linebacker, but you know he doesn't come off the field because he's a three-down guy because he's so good against the pass. You can put him against tight ends and, and, be, and be good there. He can get out in zone coverage. I think that's another area where you can say, like, how they built their team. Linebacker, uh, defensive line, 
rotation. Why do they rotate? Because they want to penetrate, and they want to chase down quarterbacks, and they know that they need a bunch of guys to go in and out and do that. So, yeah, I do think that that's probably right. Sal Capaccio on the Western Hotline from Indianapolis. Jeremy White, Nate Geary. You can check Sal's piece at WGR550.com on the state of defensive tackle. Oh, sorry, Nate. I thought, I thought you had something. That's uh, fine. Oh, I was going to ask about defensive tackle. One go more for about it. Well, Let's do it. Yeah, go right like, ahead. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I wrote yesterday about it. Go ahead. So, Sal, you kind of talked about these the, the type of player that the Bills, Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott might be looking for. And, and I like the marriage conversation you have with linebacker because the type of linebacker the Bills have right now with Terrell Bernard and Matt Milano they are much smaller linebackers in the NFL. I mean, when we're talking about Tremaine Edmonds and Terrell Bernard, you know, the replacement for for Tremaine Edmonds, how much different do you think they need to think about the type of player that needs to be in front of those guys? Even though, you know, Edmonds had the size, like he was a much bigger player than Terrell Bernard was, Bernard, to me... Uh, was actually surprising to me last year, Sal, how easily and how well he was able to get off blocks. I I guess that was the one area I really worried about him as a Mike linebacker in the NFL because of his size. So do you feel like you kind of go in with the same mindset of who needs to be in front of these linebackers, like when you kind of thought the the sort of the same structure you were going to have with Edmonds, or do you feel like you can get away with smaller interior defensive linemen because Edmonds showed he can be a block shedder at, even at his size? Yeah, I think that it's a good conversation as far as their even their size is so different, right? Edmonds and Bernard, but how they get off blocks is different because of that. And Edmonds, you know, he had trouble at times. He got swallowed up at times, but he was so he also was so big that that was, you know, to his advantage. Terrell Bernard just doesn't get blocked a lot of times, right? I mean, he just he's able to find it's the same with Matt Milano. You watch Matt Milano, they're just kind of able to avoid that kind of stuff. I don't think they have to really worry about who's behind them and how they structure their defensive line. I think that they are very comfortable with the two linebackers they have. Yesterday, the D line and the linebackers, you know, they were out there and they were talking at the podium, and then it was really funny because Josh Reed and I we saw each other. And we're like, oh, here come the linebackers. We don't need to pay attention to them. We laugh because the Bills are set at linebacker, we think, right, with Matt Milano and Terrell Bernard. Not the case at defensive tackle. The big thing about defensive tackle for the for the Bills guys is the state of the team. So they have seven defensive tackles who are under contract at the end of the season. They currently have two heading into free agency. They have five defensive tackles scheduled to become free agents. Now, that could change between now and March 13th. They have, Right now, as we sit here, Two defensive tackles under contract. Two. Ed Oliver and Ilianku. That's it. Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips, Tim Settle, Linval Joseph, Puna Ford, all set to become free agents. The question is going to be how much is Daquan Jones going to want? How much is he going to command coming off the peck injury? Yes, he returned. 32 years old. He had a really nice year. I don't know if he's going to make what the Bills paid him. The Bills paid him $7 million over the last couple of years each, each year. I don't know if he can get that much in the market, but if he gets close to that, I don't think the Bills can afford to bring him back, to be quite honest with you. Maybe you have to probably hope that he can get, you know, four or five, and maybe you can do that and you can structure the deal where it's much easier for you. Jordan Phillips talked about possibly retiring at the end of the year. I don't think it's going to be hard to get him back if he wants to play. And you're like, yep, you know, the system, he can come back. He shouldn't have, you know, much more, um, much higher offers from other teams than the vet minimum anyway. I'm curious to see what Tim Settle gets. I don't think he lived up to his contract in Buffalo, to be quite honest. Um, but, you know, he had a couple nice years in Washington. Maybe another team feels he can do better than what he did with the Bills. I think he was better last year than he was in 22 with the Bills. But I don't see the Bills 
making it a priority unless, again, you're talking about a really low deal. And then Linval Joseph and Puna Ford just seem like guys that, you know, they might wait this out again and see what the market holds for them. Although Puna Ford's only 28, and, you know, there there might be a market for him. It's, it's some team more than there was last year. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You mentioned it's Ed Oliver and Ilyanku, and Ilyanku is the – uh, well, he's on and off the roster thirty times during the year, so it almost feels like it's, yep. that's only one guy. Because I mean, he's right. he's been hanging around this organization forever. So you also have pieces up uh, a piece up about Trey White and Matt Milano and their respective rehab. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yeah, I do. And Sean McDermott I mean, and Brandon Bean both talked about the guys rehabbing. And Brandon Bean was interesting listening to him talk about that because... Well, first of all, we all know that, you know, Matt Milano, as Brandon Bean said, had like a, a freak injury kind of. He said what, what Brandon Bean said was a, like a non-traditional football type of injury. I mean, when do you really, and that's true. When do we ever hear of like a linebacker had a broken leg and couldn't play anymore, right? I mean, that's just a, a different kind of injury. Usually it's knees and ankles and sprains and ligaments. That's not the case of Matt Milano. So I, I feel like, you know, they're very confident that Matt Milano is going to come back sooner rather than later. And whether that's in April or May, like he'll be ready to rock and roll. It's not necessarily the case with Tredavious White, and no one seems to know, and he is attacking, and I don't think they want to put him, they want to put it in a, you know, commit, and he even said, we don't want to commit to either guy when they're going to be on the field, and I'm not sounding the alarm at all saying, oh my God, Tredavious White may never get back. What I'm saying is the Bills have, by their own admission here through Brandon Bean, they have to determine when Tredavious White not only is going to be back on the field, but, you know, when he can get back to the level of play where they're, you know, comfortable with him playing a lot and making the kind of money he's making because that's where the contract comes in. I mean, Brandon Bean even said, is that during offseason? Is it during the season? Is it two years from now? And I'm thinking, boy, if that's the wide range of outcomes, you really have to pin this down. The medical is going to matter. You know, the, the, the player, the DNA, he said, you know, the, the, the competitive nature, the character of him attacking the rehab every day, that's going to be something that, you know, they believe in Tredavious White. But the issue, guys, is Travis White's on the books for $16 million. And if you, if you want to lower that, there's only a couple options. Now, you could release him. $6 million you could save. But you're going to eat $10 million for a player not on the, on the team, and it's Travis White. And I think that that's probably something that you'd look at and go, I don't know if I really want to do that. Am I, am I better with Travis for 16 or not with him and eating 10 million of that, right? It doesn't make sense. So I don't think that's necessarily the best way and the, what they would want to think. You could also lower his base salary, turn it into a signing bonus, and then probably give him another year on his contract. Even if it's a void year, you could spread it out. That might be what you have to do here, but that's going to kick a little money down the next couple of years and you're going to be paying for it. So You'd hope that he'd come back and you feel comfortable, but that might be the option. You could wait until June 1st. You could release him then, and then you do save $10 million this year, but then you're taking on cap hits next year, $6 million, another $4 million in 2025. I just don't think there's a clean-cut answer here, and I think it's a fascinating situation. Obviously, the, the best scenario is they get back to Buffalo in March, April, whatever. He's rehabbing. They're like, man, this guy looks good, and we're ready to rock and roll. Let's, let's play. Sal Capaccio 
on the Western Hotline from Indianapolis. So today, testing begins for defensive linemen. I know they're on the list. Defensive linemen will be testing today. And there's there's one name to watch, right? Ready, Bills fans? You want a name to watch? I saw this player mocked the Bills late first round. It's edge rusher Chop Robinson, who is <laughs> – have you have you, have you have you learned much about him yet, Sal? Great name, by the way. Right. I haven't learned so much about him. His name yeah. his 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 name is Chop Robinson. I'm reading an article at uh, NFL.com that he is uh, called Chop. He's also sometimes called Plump Robinson. Anyway, wow. I like both. Okay. Chop comes from his his not his mom nicknamed him Pork Chop when he was a kid, and then it kind of got shortened to Chop. Anyway, Penn State edge rusher. He tests today. He is attempting to do three things that are rarely done at the combine. He's an edge rusher. He's hoping to run a 4-4, post a broad jump of 11 feet, and get a 38 to 40-inch vertical. Sometimes you'll see, I forget who it was, who it is, Nate, or so you might remember, someone has their freaks list where they're... Yeah, uh, yeah, who, that's right, yeah. Who is it? Is it... Um, I can't remember. It's not Brugler, is it? Dane Brugler, maybe. Somebody every year does a freaks list, which is the guys coming out that maybe don't have the biggest production or the highest whatever, but their, their physical attributes are off the charts. And Chop Robinson today, when he tests, might you know rocket up boards if he gets to his goals. He's done some of these things at Penn State. Doing them at the Combine is, of course, doing it for everybody. Anyway, Sal, so what I'm getting to is... It's, it's by the way, it's Bruce Feldman. Okay, Bruce, yeah. thank you. Yep. Bruce Feldman's freaks, thank you. So what the Bills, uh, of course, like defensive end could be in the mix here. And the reason I bring him up is I saw... Someone post a side by side of the last few Bills draft classes, and Sal, this is something that we—it's well documented, and a lot of Bills fans know this. They, if they see a freak, they like to take a freak. They go yep. for the RAS, which is relative athletic score. So if you show the Bills a defensive end with a nine or a ten relative athletic score, I don't know if they can help themselves. They—they they love their athletes and. There's also a track record sale of guys that maybe haven't put up the biggest numbers in college, and they don't really care about that. They're looking at traits, you know, whether that's yep. Dawson Knox, Devin Singletary, whatever. Um, Josh Allen. Josh Allen, right. They're looking at traits. And for Chop Robinson, like, I don't know if the Bills will take him. I don't know if he'll last to 28, but this, to me, is the kind of guy that's at a position that traits over production. It's something the Bills are definitely not afraid of. The difference with this guy is, though, he is a freak and a really great player and thought highly of, right? Do you know who Lance Zerline has his comparison to on his NFL? Lance Zerline always does NFL comparison. You know who his comparison is? No. Micah Parsons. Okay, yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> even good. though he is a freak, he's not – see, see the, what, what I, I agree with you. The Bills do love athletic freaks, and they, they will take them even early. So, certainly, he would fit the profile. Don't disagree at all. I think what the Bills really like to do is maybe find a freak a little bit later, right? Spencer Brown. I mean, Spencer Brown for the athletic traits he has for a big guy. Tommy Doyle. Oh, my God, right? But then again, Greg Rousseau is this guy, right, guys? Greg, Greg Rousseau. Rousseau. Yeah. Yep, he is the, He is a, real, a poster child for what you're talking about, Jeremy, of a first-round pick where he is just his athletic traits are, traits are off the chart. That was COVID. He didn't play the year before in college. But, man, you got to get your hands on this guy and the things he can do. They like to draft players like that. I agree with you. It's not always about the production. This guy is very productive, but he's also just he's highly thought of. Um, edge defender who offers – the type of athleticism, this is Lance Zerline, we've seen from players like Micah Parsons and Miles Garrett. That's what he writes about this guy. Pretty good. Pretty good. I've also seen Darius Robinson. He's another one, like a 
guy that can play up and down the line, Missouri guy. Yeah. Um, he he turned heads at the. At He's the, a big well, boy. At the pro, let, let me ask you guys questions since I have you. Yeah. If I can, real quick, and I don't mean okay. So, it's it's a good question. Like because the, all right, you're the best person to answer, ask this, Jeremy. You're on the wide receiver train, but it, without with with separating that and wanting to just say no, we're full steam ahead. Maybe you do. With this receiver class being so deep, and the Bills being a team, Bills have two guys. Again, one. One guy really under contract and what their defensive line group looks like and what the injuries to you know that group last year. I mean, if you get a guy that's standing out there, would you rather take him at the end of the first round and then wait on receiver and get a couple in the second and fourth or fifth? Yeah. it's You know what? It's, it's a year that reminds me of – I'm trying to think back. It was the McGahee year. They take McGahee in the first round and Chris Kelsey in the second round. Yeah, and that's right. the story was like a lot of Bills fans would have at that time said Kelsey in the first round is fine. They needed that position. I can't believe they passed on him. Then they get him in the second round. So as the uh, whatever conductor engineer of the wide receiver train on Thursday night, if they go in a, a certain direction, you know I'll come in Friday morning. I'll say, talk to me after tonight. Because there are going to be five or six receivers that are going to be someone I'm going to want, and it would just be a big gamble to me to be to wait into the end of that round. They might have to get a. You might have to trade up in the second. Yeah, round. they might have to. Yeah. Like I'm fully aware the board could fall any number of ways, Sal. So you know, do I need 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 them to take the sixth receiver at 28? Yes, unless they don't, and then by the end of Friday, I can feel good. So uh, it's kind of a cop out, but. Uh, if the, if they're going to gamble like that, I'm going to wait until the gamble is over before I get upset about it. One thing I want to add here too to the sale is the idea of overdrafting wide receivers, right? Like reaching for a wide receiver. And I think back to the 2022 draft, and people talked about Christian Watson. He I think he goes like what the second pick of the second round, yeah. right? And people talked about the drop that you had. I think the next receiver was like Traylon Burks, and then it was Christian Watson. And Traylon Burks goes what uh, in this draft? He goes eighteen, and you're not you don't have another wide receiver pick until thirty four. I don't feel like in this particular draft, if you have a dramatically better grade on a defensive lineman, I, I think I gotta trust Brandon Bean to just say this gap is too wide, this player is too good for me to pass up or to reach on this next one. The grades just don't make sense. I just don't know that now in this draft that a reach exists. If if the Bills had taken Christian Watson uh, at 23 instead of Kyrie Elam, people would have said maybe that's a reach. Yeah. But Christian Watson's a great player. But Traylon Burks is a giant bust at 18. So it's with receivers, you kind of have to pick your poison a little bit. But I just don't think the idea of reaching, unless the grades are dramatic, I think I'm okay with that. Well, yeah. let's remember, as you guys know, what happens over the next month is going to dictate a little bit of this as well, right? I mean, you have free agency coming up. And, you know, Jeremy, just circle back to your very first question about, you know, buzz and what's been happening. It's not, like, necessarily buzz about the league. But as far as the Bills, one thing that, you know, I, I'm, I'm more confident here now saying is they'll, they'll have more to operate with. Now, not just because the cap, cap went up. I, I guess the way I'd put it is, I think the Bills feel better about their cap situation than what we make it out to be. You know what I mean? Like fans are like, "Oh my God, they're in cap hell," and yeah. I don't think that's the case. Now they're they're not going. They don't have ninety million like the Tennessee Titans have, right? I mean that's wild. But I do think like coming out of this combine, even listening to Brandon Bean, they're they're not panicking. They they 
they have an ability to do some things and operate a little bit. And I think they their cap situation internally seems better like the way they feel about it than even we feel about it, which is really interesting. Yeah. I was looking at their cap situation for next year too, because you know, they have negative forty million right now, but they'll get that under control and in, in part with cuts, in part by eating into some of next year. Like they're not unhealthy on next year's cap, but as long as they don't eat it all up, by next year it'll be just like a normal year. And in two years they have tons of room. So, yeah, the cap means you can't necessarily participate in free agency the way that you have maybe in years past. But, you know, Sal, I don't know if you saw the guy going around saying the Bills should trade Josh Allen for the first and ninth pick <laughs> so they could reset that. I game. have not seen that. Okay, it's, it's not. Don't, don't worry. Don't, don't look it's, for it. It's fine. It's I'm fine. not missing anything, right? <laughs> no, no. It was the Bills should trade sure. Allen for the first and ninth pick. Who says no? The Bills or the Bears? Like, come on, please. But half his point was they should do it to reset their cap. It's like, if you think their cap Mm -hmm. is so bad they should trade Josh Allen, I have a feeling you might not understand that the cap is, you know, (laughs) workable here. Anyway. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. Uh, by the way, but that that but the Bears should absolutely trade it for the for that reason. Yes. Like that's the biggest reason why. Even if you feel okay, you might just say like Caleb Williams is just way better than Justin Fields, and that's fine. But Justin Fields, if Justin Fields is never going to be a true franchise quarterback, you get a chance to reset and not have to pay him, and you can now figure this out for four more years. That is the exact reason why they should do it. Absolutely. One other story I saw from the combine before I let you go, and I'm going to bring this up with Nate. There's a thought, a belief that the Dolphins and Tua are getting to work on an extension, and that is going to be an interesting one because, you know, it's the passage of time, but I don't think anybody thinks he's the best. And I'm waiting for a quarterback – to not get paid the most, right? Just, hey, what if he settles in at $42 million instead of 50 or whatever it is? We'll see. But the Dolphins, how that's worked, how many years they would be definitely tied to him. You know, Daniel Jones got extended in, in New York, and they'd probably like to get out of that already. Quarterbacks that play get extended and get paid. And Tua is polarizing, but he's definitely due uh, an increase in his paycheck, so something else to watch. For the yeah, and, and and I think they, if, if if you're the Dolphins, you have to do that. You, you, I don't know what the number looks like, but you you have to do that. The guy led the league in passing yards. He stayed healthy last year. I mean, he he's still he's a good quarterback, and I understand that you know there's he's in the system where it really helps him. But I, I just think it would be not smart if the Dolphins didn't actually pay him to make sure he was their quarterback at least for the next little while. The question is how much that's going to happen. Oh, by the way, though, the other story that came out yesterday, a little bit later in the day, though, was. This whole thing with the uh, Chiefs' possible tampering. Have you guys touched on that today? No, I've not seen the Chiefs. I've only seen the Chiefs how their owner is terrible and the players hate everything about the franchise except for Mahomes and Andy Reid. Okay, so 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 basically, and you can do a little research in the break to make sure I, I have this right and you get it right. So basically what happened was Nicole Hardman did an interview, a really in-depth interview recently, like this week. Maybe Ryan Clark. I don't know for sure. It might have been Ryan Clark in the pivot. And they said, what went wrong with the Jets? And he said, you know, they wanted me to return punts. I didn't like, I, apparently him and the special teams coach had beef and he didn't like the special teams coach. And they're, he's like, I'm not doing it. I was injured. He misled me. He was trashing him. And then he goes, and it really is, I wasn't in a good spot. He said, that's when I told Mahomes and Reed, come get me. Yeah. He's under contract. Gotcha. And that quote actually like got out there. So people are like, wait a minute. What do you mean? You told Mahomes and Reed to come get you. You're playing for the New York Jets. He actually did get traded, obviously, to the Chiefs, right? So Joe Douglas of the Jets, the GM, was asked about this yesterday. And he said, let's just say it raised some eyebrows in our organization. Okay. Something like that. Let's just say we're paying attention to this. Two things. One, I think that means the Chiefs' Super Bowl is vacated. <laughs> That's number one. <laughs> number two, to add to this, we're very late for the break. I'm sorry, but i got I, I to get you this. Connor Hughes tweeted this. There is belief from the Jets 
that Hardman leaked game plans to a Yes. That he leaked Unbelievable. The, the game plan of the Eagles. Look, go re- look at Sauce Gardner tweeted this. He deleted it. Yeah. Sauce Gardner said something about, "Oh, now I know why our Eagles game plan was our game plan was leaked to the Eagles." Yes, and he deleted it. They thought they 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 really believe that Michael Hardman leaked the game plan for the Jets to the Eagles and the Chiefs. Now, I would just say, "Welcome to the combine, baby." Yeah, uh, maybe the Jets were just bad. That's very possible. You know. Okay. All right, so we kept you very long. Thank you. You got it. Sal Capaccio from Indianapolis covered the Combine on WGR. Brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Fast, sustainable weight loss. Then free support for life. Awaken180weightloss.com. And by Outlet Liquor, when you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? Jeremy and Nate with you talking uh, permission to seek a trade. We've seen that on a few players. I want to talk about the difference between you can seek a trade and you can seek a trade. Because it's not exactly the same. That's right. Even though the same phrase is used. That, plenty of Bills chatter as well. 8 o'clock, we'll get into it with Cover One's uh, Anthony Brosca, who's going to join us. He's pro-ant on Twitter. We'll uh, get into that, chop up some defensive line, some wide receiver. It's all coming up here on WGR. Happy birthday, Ja Rule. He's a leap year, baby. A leap day, baby. Wow. Yeah. Good morning, Jeremy and Nate. Joe's out today. Josh Schmidt is producing. Okay, so we've got a lot to get to. I'm going to break down some prospects at 8 o'clock with uh, Anthony from Cover One. I, I just have a lot to get to, including something about leap days, like this day, February 29th, right? If you'll indulge me. Tell me everything you know about how this works. They it's, add a day. How's it work? Every four years, you get a day. It's extra. Uh, isn't it something to do with like the Earth's revolution around the sun? Like they, it adds enough time that it makes up a whole day. Yeah, or something like that. Roughly a year, a trip around the sun is three sixty-five and a quarter. Ah. So every th- four years, you add a day, so you even it out. Okay, I knew that. I knew that. I think that's the general. That's the science. That's the level of knowledge that you know. It goes much deeper than that if you get really far into it. Including, I did not know this, did you know that it doesn't happen every four years? Oh. Yeah. It happens most. It happened in 2000. But there are years, like 1900 did not have a leap day. And 2100 will not have a leap day. The way that it works is if if you kept doing that adding a day... I, I was deep into this trying to like do the math on this. It is not every single four years. There are years that it skips, hmm. and we don't do it. And, and like so that it goes eight years, yeah. or does it go? Oh, okay, yes. So they just completely keep they just it. Skip they punt it. it. They okay. skip it. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. The the, the explanation is a little long, <laughs> and you can even. I, if you look this up, like there's even a, you know, remember Y2K? You guys might be even too young for this. Oh, Everyone's worried about the computers. We're all going to yeah. freak out. This happened also because computer programs at one point, you can search the leap year problem. Microsoft Excel thought that 1900 was a leap year, but it was They'd skip it. They, anyway, there you go. Leap year. Take it to why, the office. Why Take- February, though? Like, why can't it be like in July? Why can't we have an extra day of golf season? This you know? is a, a fair great question. question. It's a fair question. 
Like why? Who picked February? And and were they from like Florida or something? It's the shortest day or the shortest month? Yeah, true. So maybe they're just like ah, let's just toss. But this the day is on a here. great point. Why isn't it when it's well? It's nice in other parts of the world in February, I guess. Well, right, like or, I said, like the with, person that made this up probably was like in like California or, or the su- or maybe the southern hemisphere even. Yeah, who knows? Who came up with leaping? Now we're getting into the science. Yeah, put it in July. You should be able to pick. No, then you're on like different days of the year in different parts of the country and world. Okay, anyway, eight hundred three hundred five fifty. Julius Caesar, he did it. Mm-hmm. It was Caesar. Yep. Apparently. Interesting. Okay, February. Eight hundred three hundred five fifty on whatever you want receiver stuff. We've got a bunch of comps. Danny Kelly of the Ringer made his receivers not just receiver his entire like first fifty players and their comps. We'll get to that. Also saw Legarius Needs been given permission to seek a trade. He's going to be franchise tagged, but also permission to seek a trade. And I feel like there should be a distinction between the different levels of permission to seek a trade. Because you know who else was given permission to seek a trade? Zach Wilson. Yeah. They're not all equal. No. Zach Wilson's cap hit is so much that there's no way on earth he's going to get traded. He's going to get cut. He's going to get cut. And then someone's going to sign him for half of his money, I would think. He's his cap hits like what eleven million? I think it was eleven million. Maybe it's even higher than that. And who on earth would give Zach Wilson that kind of money to be what a backup to compete for a job? I don't think so. So yeah, his cap hit this year is eleven million. Hmm. No thanks. Yeah. So there's that element of it. I think about permission to seek a trade. I think about Cole Beasley. A lot of times it means you're going to take a pay cut or. You're going to be cut, or if you find someone to do us a favor, go for it. Go that'd, for it. That'd be great. Yep. And Legereus Sneed, like, this is an interesting one to me because the franchise tag, I think if you're the team that franchise tags a player, listen, these GMs love to do this. They leave themselves options. A franchise tag is not exactly great. Players don't like to play on franchise tags, right? There's no guaranteed money past the year one. And I don't know that teams really like it either. Wouldn't you like to know... All right, hey, T. Higgins, you're going to be here for four more years. Okay, Michael Pittman, he might be end up on the, on the franchise tag as well. And for Snead, if you're the if you're the Chiefs, consider also the Chiefs operate from a standpoint of they win all the time. If they want to trade Tyreek Hill, they can do that. They won, and then they traded Tyreek Hill. Now they win two in a row. If they want to trade Legereus Snead because someone's going to give them, what, like two firsts? then sure, okay, we'll keep this thing rolling with Patrick Mahomes. And even though they want to keep him, they are afforded that luxury of being the team that won. Who's going to get mad at the Chiefs? Right. Everything they do is is just celebrated. The NFLPA report on the Chiefs, by the way, that everybody hates it there, is another example of you know winning, winning cures all. Lamar Hunt, or Clark Hunt, sorry, not Lamar Hunt, Clark Hunt, the owner of the Chiefs, had to speak yesterday on how the players basically reviewed the organization to be one of the worst. Yeah, horrible. Yeah. This place stinks, and we win Super Bowls. 803-0550, anyway, on to some other stuff. DJ and Lockport as we connect with our fans. Hey, DJ. Hey, first off, the irony of uh, the Patriots, I know how everybody hated, I guess, you know, being around Belichick, and they just win and win and win, and it's kind of ironic how the Chiefs are doing the same thing and, like, you know, the, the correlation between the organizations after winning all the Super Bowls that nobody likes it there yeah. other than winning. But so yeah. I wanted to touch base. To that point, to that, real quick, DJ, to that point, the Patriots' grades were equally terrible. Robert Kraft got an F-plus as an owner 
from his own players. It's a great, it's, right? It's a great example. We we spent twenty years hearing how the Patriots organization was so much better than all the others, and the reality was it was just two guys running the show, and the Chiefs sure sound like the exact same thing. It's crazy what a little uh, winning does for for the outlook on teams, huh? So, um, I wanted to touch base a little bit, change the subject a little bit about Caleb Williams. I'm sure you guys, you know, you're you're invested in sports, and you heard the reports about his father and him demanding or requesting to to have ownership of the team that drafts him. Clearly with the Brady-Miami thing, we all know, I think it was Brady-Vegas and Brady-Miami, like you cannot own a team or have any stake in ownership of a team and be an active player at the same time. First off, like the audacity of this kid. He didn't do that. That's the answer to that, DJ. That just didn't happen. So it was, okay, well, I heard the report that his father, it kept on coming up that his father was leaking reports that he's been requesting ownership of the team. I, I wanted to touch base and see what you guys thought about it and not assume that it was right, just I didn't know maybe you'd heard more than I did. So, But I'll hang up and listen and have a good day, guys. Thank you. Thanks, DJ. It just didn't happen. There, you know, some of these reports, um, who reported this? It's been reported that quarterback. Dob Kleiman. <laughs> One of the fake reporters that's not really a reporter. Yeah. Um, it's in a piece from Brian Murphy at SportingNews.com that one of the more unique tidbits tidbits is reported interest in owning part of an NFL team. It's been reported the team told the quarterback told teams he was looking for a minority stake in whatever team selects him at the draft. The fact that you can't do that means, like to me, we have to know like that didn't happen. You you can't right. you can't get drafted and get one percent of the team. Like no, can't happen. So. Um, the, the the article goes further, talking about Mike Florio reported Williams representatives. Okay, I'm, I'm into this story all the way now. There's never been an active NFL player in the modern era. It's also owned part of the team. Um, whatever. Mike Florio reported it. I would say take that for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah. The rest yeah. of it, he has said he'd be happy to play for the Bears. It had been reported he wouldn't play for the Bears. Now he's saying he would be fine to play for the Bears. He's going to get drafted by the Bears, and then he's going to play for the Bears. Like every other quarterback except for Eli Manning has ever done. You think we'll see that again, though? Yes. I do, I do too. I just don't think it's going to be this particular draft class, right? I mean. Yep. 803-0550. Jeff, we'll get to uh, your call on the other side. Anthony, cover one, joining us 8 o'clock, talking draft prospects, talking combine at, at uh, here on WGR. Beat callers, five and six, doing a pair of tickets to the Outlaw Music Festival with John Mellencamp, Bob Dylan, Willie Nelson at Darien Lake, September 27th. Tickets on sale tomorrow, March 1st, at Ticketmaster.com. Jeremy Nate with you. Good morning. We had somebody tweet us in the break about leap seconds, and I've put Josh on the case. The tweet says... Poor guy. Yeah, right. I don't want to do it's it. It's going through it. I don't want my brain, brain to have to do this. It says, check out Leap Seconds if you really want to go down a rabbit hole. All right. Josh, is, he's volunteered. He's going down the rabbit hole. And report back sometime in the next two hours. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see where it takes him. It's Leap Day. We had Bub in Kansas right in. His son turns three today. By three, he means 12. Because, you know. Because that's that. Yeah. It's yeah. Weird. You know who else? Famous athlete born on this day? Not, I mean, not that famous. Famous... You know what? Not famous enough here. We don't talk about this guy enough as being 
Can you believe they lost to that guy? No. Cam no. Ward was born on February 29th. Cam Ward. Yeah. Wow. Remember him? Yeah. Yeah, the guy that was bad at goalie and then had, like, a deal with the devil and won the con Smythe. Jeff in North Carolina before the break. Hey, Jeff. Yes, good morning, guys. I appreciate you having me. A couple questions about Tredavious White. You know, he, he injured his Achilles attendant, I believe, his Dolphins game on the 1st of October. And when Jack Quinn injured the same hair, had the same injury for the Sabres, and Rodgers had that same injury for the Jets, they, everybody was saying it's a six-month injury. So we're five months out. Should, should he be about a month or so away from playing? And then my other question is, what, what, do, what do you think about his contract being either extended or re- renegotiation to reduce his cap hit. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. So at corner, you've got Rasul Douglas and Christian Benford you'd feel good about. You'd hope for Kyrie Elam to be maybe a reclamation project here with the change in coaching staff. And Taron Johnson's great. So yep. like outside corner, I don't know that I need Tredavious White. I thought Sal laid it out pretty well. His cap hit is 16. If they cut him, they save six. That's not enough. I think it might be worth, well, I mean, I don't know the number on how to do it, but can you extend, cheapen, lessen cap hits, right? Can you, can you do some contract surgery to uh, steal a term from Peter King? One thing about it is if you do decide to cut him, you save $6 million this year, and of course, like, that also helps next year's cap. His cap hit for the next two seasons is sixteen. I'm not eager to get rid of Tredavious White. Either am I. But they've got to figure out a way to create flexibility in that contract. They do. And they also, okay. They need to hedge. Let's, let's do this. He came back from an injury once. Yep. And it took how long for him to look right? 18 months. Yeah. Now, this is not the same injury. I don't know. I, I wonder if they are just thinking like this thing, it'd be a real big gamble to extend. Also, this is not a six-month injury. Right. It's not. Regardless of well, it depends. what I mean, players say. <laughs> like, it's not. I'm, I won't make it about specifically one. It's. Well, he thought it, that, that specific one said it was like a six week injury. And then and also then said like, like three and... weeks ago, well, I'm still not running full speed. Yeah. Okay. Well, you got to run full speed to play that position, unfortunately. Maybe he doesn't, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Maybe. Perhaps not. <laughs> All right. When we get back, we'll get some uh, draft chatter in with uh, Anthony from Cover One. First time I'm having him on the show. Checked his workout, of course. Watched his stuff. Does a bunch of YouTube videos. Talking Bill's prospects, defensive line ideas, wide receiver ideas. Um, we'll get into some of it. Chop it up. 803-0550 if you want to jump in. Jeremy White, Nate Geary here on WGR. Adnai Mitchell, and I, I tweeted about this this week. Adnai Mitchell from Texas is a six foot four receiver who I was talking to his trainers. They were hand timing him, which can be a little different than electronic timing in the four three five second range in the forty yard dash, and that speed shows up on tape. So when I think, and I'm one of the biggest Josh Allen fans outside of Buffalo, New York, I think. But when I think about Josh, I would love for him to have that reliable, consistent deep threat, somebody that can stretch the field because Josh has the strongest arm in football, but also someone who can take some of those slant routes and turn them into house calls. Somebody yeah. can take the – that's where the game is going. Like, everyone wants to play too deep. I want a wide receiver who is going to hit that hitch and then can make someone miss and has the speed to run away. That is Matt Miller on Adonai Mitchell. 
you're listening to One Bills Live this week, getting tons of interviews. Sal, too. Just It's almost like a little mini Radio Row, Super Bowl. Everybody's at the Combine. A lot of good information, a lot of good draft stuff. Matt Miller, NFL Draft Scout on Twitter, uh, on Adonai Mitchell. We go to the Western Hotline to do a little bit of chatter on some receivers and some defensive linemen. As uh, we're, we're mixing it up with the small, speedy receivers and then like the 360-pound defensive linemen. We're, we're multitasking. Joining us on the Western Hotline is Anthony Prohaska of Cover One. You can find him on Twitter, pro underscore ant, and constantly chopping up, you know, film of I've got defensive linemen and then I've got wide receivers, Anthony. So you're, you're all over it, multitasking the same way that we are. Morning, morning. Thank you very much for having me. And yeah, there's there's obviously the projection with the wide receiver piece, and I think that's a big want for a lot of Bills fans, so I try to cover that. But there is that defensive side that I know everyone hates, and it makes everyone <laughs> hate me. So it's a piece that still has to be covered, although it may be a little difficult at times. That's all right. That's all right. Hey, we've spent a lot of time today. I mean, our 7 o'clock segment was Sal's State of the Bills defensive line. We talked about a couple of the prospects. We know the defensive linemen go through testing today. There were some uh, podium sessions yesterday. Some of the guys, including Jerzon Newton, who talked about the idea of playing next to Ed Oliver. So, Anthony, as you look at this Bills defense and this defensive line, you start with that Oliver. That's a good piece to start with. Does the existence of Oliver, I asked this question to sell, how does Oliver's style determine the kind of guy that you want to spend an asset on next to him? Like, What is the best use if they're going to spend first, second round pick? What style of defensive lineman goes next to Ed Oliver? And that's the question that you have to ask when you're talking about like what type of piece you are adding to that starting defensive line spot because with Ed Oliver, you have more of that three-tech player, that position who is trying to get upfield. I mean, the Bills defensive line in general is a, a one-gap penetrating type of front. They want to get upfield. They want to cause havoc and chaos in the backfield. And you look at Ed with his size and his frame and his skill set, you have that player like that. And so pairing another starter with him, you really want someone, you know, I guess I kind of give everyone the easiest picture, like you want someone like a Daquan Jones, like someone who can anchor down, who's not going to get moved off the spot, who can handle double teams, who holds strong at the point of attack. But then also, ideally, you would like some pass rush pop in their game as well, which is something that Daquan really offered uh, in 2023 before he went down with that pec injury. And I think that's something, you know, Jajan Newton, um, he offers that in spades with a pass rush pop perspective but there is some positional redundancy with Ed Oliver as far as you know where you want to place them to maximize their skill set so I think the idea of like placing him next to Ed on early downs as that one tech isn't necessarily ideal but it could potentially work if you bring in a starting one tech or someone bigger bodied in free agency and then you start to get really fun and creative on third downs if you're thinking you know putting Newton and Ed Oliver on the interior on those third downs or known passing situations because you really have a strong chance to compromise the depth of the pocket. And when talking about this class like you know I I, I know 20 of the receiver names. So when it comes to defensive line and especially the interior guys it doesn't seem like there are that many names that are thrown around in the first round. You know, the receivers, quarterbacks, tackles. That seems to be we could see big numbers in the first round, which means not as many first-round defensive players overall. How many defensive linemen interior are you expecting in the first round? Really just Byron Murphy from Texas and then uh, Newton, who we just talked about from Illinois. Murphy gives you a lot of versatility on the interior, uh, you know, he can play in that three tech, but I also think he can play in that one tech spot. 
that the Bills would covet based on how their defensive line is shaken out right now. I expect him to go early. He He's got a lot of great stuff on tape, and um, I was actually pretty disappointed. I was down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl, and first practice was Tuesday morning. On Monday night, word came out that Murphy was – you know, kind of a no-go for the senior bowl. I, I think something came through with like his hand was banged up or something, but not to read too much into it, it seemed a little bit of, I don't know, an agent or somebody being like, hey, man, you're probably going to go in the first half of the first round. You don't need to do anything this week, so just kind of chill. Um, I anticipate Murphy going in the first round. I anticipate Newton going in the first round as well. They both have first-round grades for me. I think there's a chance to Vondre Sweat, you know, big. We'll see what he measures here at the Combine. He didn't measure it uh, in Mobile, but big 360-pound defensive tackle. We'll see what he does at the Combine. There's a chance he could creep into the first round, but he doesn't offer you that true third down, three down, um, you know, snap option like a Newton or a Murphy does. You know, he's got some knockback ability as far as pass rush, but he's really more of like a well, first and second down run-stopping kind of player who has – some pass rush pop in that instance, but not somebody that you're looking as a true three down guy. And I think that kind of falls in line with a lot of the other defensive tackles who after Murphy and Newton, there's some aspect of their game that makes them more of a rotational player or more of a silo type of skill set, which is why you see a lot of these guys more towards second round, third round, or even day three. Anthony, I want to ask you, so if you're trying to prioritize positions, I know like, us, a lot of us at the station, Jeremy and I included, are like on this. We the they they need to go receiver in the first round, and and we talked about a couple of segments ago with Sal, like the potential for maybe are you even comfortable reaching for a receiver um, at twenty eight if you if you feel like it's a it's a guy you really like and have conviction on, but like if you had to choose between the Bills are at twenty eight and they can get the third best defensive tackle or the sixth or fifth best wide receiver, I, I feel like I'm you would probably also be on the train of this is really not about what you would do at 28. It's what you feel like you can get value-wise in the second round. And, and I wonder for you, the wide receiver value is going to be there in the first and second round. But would you think if they're going to prioritize, like, we need a defensive tackle at some point in the first 65 picks, that the second round makes way more sense for that and prioritize the wide receiver for the first? That's a, that's a great point and great question. I, I think that resource allocation and that draft value, it, it's all about, you know, if we go at position A now, what's the drop-off versus the, the positions that we, you know, forego in that situation? I think a lot of it for the defensive tackle spot or defensive line in general comes down to what they do in free agency. Like, obviously right now, if, if the draft happened today, they have to go defensive line with, like, every pick because they just don't have the body. Um, but I, I think there there is that question of like the positional drop off and the rotational piece. I am a fan. I, I think another option I'd throw in there. I know a lot of people talk about the positional value not being there up top. I think safety is an option depending on what happens in free agency. Um, like Tyler Newbin from Minnesota at pick twenty eight, or Cam Kitchens safety from Miami at pick twenty eight. I think that's also a strong potential and option. But, you know, I, I don't love enough defensive tackles really at 28, aside from Newton and aside from Murphy, to want to go that route in round one. I would be fine with Tavondre Sweat because I think it's an interesting option, even though I still don't love it. But it does fit a need. It does have a schematic fit to a degree, although it is a bit of a departure from what the Bills usually like. They, they still want more upfield generating, you know, penetrating style 
in those nose tackles or in that kind of one tech that sweat isn't necessarily about. So I would expect them to go more of like a rotational guy in the second round or third round. Well, the combine's been underway. Some testing today, defensive lineman tests today. I want to get back to that in a minute. And also, we're not going to be done but without talking receivers a little more. But on the safety point, Anthony Prohaska joining us of Cover One. Uh, on the safety point, you know, if they did go safety early, whatever the first round, second round, I would be inclined, Anthony, to point out that it's been important to McDermott. And if there's one thing this team has done really well, it's been really good against the pass for most of McDermott's time. When they're a healthy defense, they're good. And they've been, he has run the best pass defense in football. If you put all of the, the last six years together, the Bills are the best. They do not give up touchdowns. They're a great defense. And if they handpick a safety early, my immediate fallback would just be like, okay, they know what they're doing in that department. Could they get somebody in free agency like a, the next Jordan Poyer that they identify? Maybe. But to me, a safety pick would make a lot of sense just because it's kind of their bread and butter with how they run a McDermott defense. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it's a bit of playing like kind of both sides of it. Because on the one hand, you and I've gotten this feedback a lot because every time I mock a safety or talk about a safety, I get yelled at on Twitter. But you got the position group, the defensive back as a whole, the defensive back grouping as a whole, but really the safeties. McDermott taking, you know, Micah Hyde was more of a, a slot safety punt returner option at Green Bay and turning him to, into an all-pro safety, taking Jordan Poyer, who was really kind of a free agency cast-off, turning him into an all-pro safety aspect. I think you get a lot of people who say, like, well, they don't have to invest significant resources into safety because look how good they are at coaching up that spot. So there is that side of it of thinking, like, you don't need to spend, you know, or allocate primary resources to that spot when you can get so much blood from the stone from free agent cast-offs or guys on a one- or two-year deal and maybe a late-round safety. But then on the other side of that coin and conversation, there is that thought of, yeah, look what they've done with guys that they've got from kind of bargain barrel aspects. Imagine what Sean McDermott and crew can do with someone that they do invest those you know, higher resources into. Granted, this is a similar conversation that was had around Kyrie Elam, and that hasn't worked out too much at this point. Yeah. But with, with the skill sets that – Tyler Newbin and Cam Kitchens offer, and there there are several safeties in this class that I do like, but Newbin and Kitchens are really a, a tier above everybody else significantly in this class. And when you take a true four-down, three-down impact safety who has the ability to take the ball away and turn the ball over and play a variety of pro-style coverages already at the college level and then input them into Sean McDermott's defense, given his ability to coach up that position and maximize every drop of juice and talent from that spot, it becomes an interesting and exciting you know, option potential at, at pick 28, although for some it's terrible and awful. <laughs> uh, Anthony does a podcast for Cover One, the Disguise Coverage podcast, works in the film room. A bunch of the guys, too, we have uh, Nate. I know you talk with Eric on the station quite a bit, do some stuff with Eric. So does Sal, Eric Turner, Cover One. Um, you know, I'm looking, I, I just double-checked to make this point. T.J. Watt taken 30th overall, right? Like a game-wrecking defensive edge rusher. He does. He's amazing. And the reason I, I look at him is because sometimes you can get a game-wrecker late that, for whatever reason, there are warts on him. Teams don't like something about Size him. Size or something. production. And yeah. I, I want to give you two names today, Anthony, on the defensive side of the ball because defensive line's testing today. The, the, the two names I remember the most because of whether it's comps or whatever, and that's Chop Robinson uh, and is it Darius Robinson and 
Is it Chop Robinson too? Chop. Chop Robinson. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Both. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm confusing myself because they're both last name Robinson. Chop <laughs> Robinson from Penn State. Darius Robinson yep. from Missouri. They'll both test today, and they're both potential in like that freak mode. Ro- Darius Robinson, Missouri, has played all up and down the line, transitioning from interior to exterior. And I've seen his from zero to nine. Right, he said technique. I, I've yeah. seen his comp as JJ Watt, just because of the size and all the things he can do. So um, these are two guys. I, w- I wonder your thoughts on them, and if testing could. You know, take them out of the Bills' range because they test so well. And, Anthony, too, I saw yesterday that uh, Chop Robinson expects to run in the 4 force. Yeah. Yeah, well, he – we'll start with Chop there. He, he – his tape from a technical perspective and technique perspective isn't necessarily what you want to see, but he does have the traits that – he's one of those guys that you see the way he moves and the juice that he plays with, and it's that type of guy that you're like, okay – we can help him refine his pass rush plan and we can help him refine his technique and, and his process of what he's doing. His strongest aspect of, or the strongest aspect of his game is his get off. There's a couple reps where he's in the backfield before, like it's a run and he's in the backfield, like right as the quarterback is handing the ball off to the running back. Like he goes from zero to a hundred in an instant and he's got that ability to just shoot gaps or turn the arc and you look at how he's built he's a little on like the smaller side especially for what the build like in their edges you know he's 6'3 250 pounds um and I think if he tests well at the combine it really boosts his draft stock because he's one of those guys that needs to test well at the combine to show his burst and his change of direction and his speed and you know, it's not the end-all, be-all, but when you get those guys at those spots that run times that are rare, like if you get an edge player that's running a 4-4, it can shoot him up some draft boards, you know, and if he was a second-round guy, maybe he starts to creep in to the back end of that first round. I do want to see more technique improvement and pass rush plan um, things from him in, in addition to kind of just being more consistent down in and down out. We'll see how the size plays. But when, And then when you look at Darius Robinson, Darius Robinson is the one for me that, really makes a lot of sense for the Bills at 28 just because of his play style and the archetype fit that he is at edge. The Bills, traditionally under Sean McDermott and Brandon Beans, they look for bigger body, bigger frame, pocket compression edges. The Von Millers and the Leonard Floyds of the world are, are very much kind of the antithesis of what they look for at edge. They want guys, preferably with longer arms, and again, bigger body dudes that compress the pocket. And that's where you're going to get in Darius Robinson. So, again, just com- comparing the two, Chop is sit- listed at 6'3", 250. We'll see what both these guys measure at the combine. But Chop is 6'3", 250. Darius Robinson is 6'5", 286. <laughs> and he's also got almost 35-inch arms. And he plays to that arm length and that pocket compression style. And he also played in the defense at Missouri where he was lined up on the inside shoulder of tackles a lot. So he had to do a lot as far as run fits and run responsibility which you know Sean McDermott and Brandon B. Love for their defensive line. But he's someone that I think his pass rush game is still coming along. You know, he's a power-based rusher. He's looking to go through somebody or stack and shed, kind of push-pull. Um, but if he has a strong combine, he, he really shoots up boards. He had a good senior bowl week. He looks good. He's big. He's strong. He's athletic. We'll see how he does in the 40. We'll see how he does with his change direct uh, direction testing. But the tape is strong. He interviews well, and he looks great. And, again, he fits that archetype fit. Like, if he ends up being the pick at 28, I would not be surprised at all, given his skill set, the fit, and the need for the Bills. Anthony, before we finish up, let's do our due diligence on receivers. I know you're – every time I'm – Logging on to Twitter just to, like, you know, check anything. I've got, you know, 
all 22 from you, which is great. Like you're you're always at it. So at receiver, you know, a lot's been said about the class, about the three that are probably off the board. The fourth and fifth guys tend to be what, like Brian Thomas Jr. or Xavier Worthy, Adonai Mitchell, uh, Troy Franklin. Let's just ask about those those middle four, right? Like the guys that, depending on how these teams draft and how they value them, the guys that could fall in the Bills' range. What's your favorite idea of the guys that fall in the Bills' range? Oh, man, it's such a loaded question, and I go back and forth on it all the time. It, I think the, the combine testing will really sort some things out. You know, you look at a guy like Brian Thomas, and not to simplify his game, but, you know, big, big dude who runs fast. You're looking at a wide receiver who's, you know, six foot four, 200-plus pounds. If he comes into the combine and runs, a 4-3 or a 4-4, all of a sudden he looks like a guy who's probably going in the top 20. And he's somebody who can high point the football downfield. And, you know, that prototypical guy who kind of plays above the rim. And all of these guys really have different aspects to their game. Like Thomas plays different than Mitchell, who plays different than Worthy. And it's really fun to watch Texas's tape and see Mitchell and Worthy on the field at the same time, given how they play. I would I would prefer my, my so as I'll say this my favorite receiver out of that next crop of guys is Xavier Worthy. I think the speed plus his route running precision plus his toughness after the catch, despite being you know six foot uh, about 170 pounds, he, I, he's really got a lot of a complete professional style to his game already built in with the explosion to his game. But I think it would be nice to get a bigger body, bigger frame type of dude based on what the Bills receiver room looks like right now. So adding that different dynamic with somebody who is who or who has more of some ball winning aspect to their game or more of that true X receiver type of size who can win one on one matchups, ideally in a variety of ways. That guy prototypically that you're looking at the Bills offense and imagine Stephon Diggs and Dalton Kincaid and Khalil Shakir are in trips to one side, and you've got this other guy one-on-one on the backside. You want him to give a threat to the defense to make them think, well, we can't go single high coverage. We need to go split because we need to keep a safety over the top because maybe we don't have a corner good enough to stay one-on-one with this guy. Maybe we have to take our number one and put him on the Bills' number two receiver because he can beat us deep, he can beat us underneath, he can route us up, we can lose a jump ball. You need someone that makes the defense question how they play you I think those guys are all in play there at 28. Well, um, but then based on that fit, I would go with the bigger option. To, to a final point here on Worthy, you, know, you mentioned him as, as one of your favorite ideas. He is, uh, I was looking at Danny Kelly of the Ringer, his comp for Worthy, this will take Bills fans not too far back because many dreamed of Zay Flowers last year. And that's mm-hmm. what Danny Kelly says, shades of Zay Flowers in Xavier Worthy, whether that's the speed, the the electric ability after the catch, like th- these are things the Bills are talking about wanting, and I, I believe probably wanted last year too. Not to say they would have taken Flowers over Kincaid, but I'm sure they would have valued Flowers quite highly. Yeah, you get someone in Worthy who, again, he's got that technical aspect to his game as far as being a route runner, but then he's got that electricity and that speed. I could see him running in the high four threes or the low four fours. That's not out of the question. And what's also nice with him is how good of a ball tracker he is downfield. So if Josh Allen is like launching moon balls downfield, it's going to be real hard to outthrow Xavier Worthy. And then his hand-eye coordination and body control as he's going down the field. There's one, it's a clip that gets played a ton. It's his long touchdown against Alabama this year. He's running kind of more a post and going towards that front pylon in the end zone. And Quinn Ewers, the quarterback, throws it more towards the middle of the field. 
And he adjusts like a center fielder that's running towards the warning track. And he tracks it the whole way and follows it and adjusts his track and just makes an over-the-face, over-the-shoulder basket catch. And he makes it look routine. He does have some drops issues in the underneath and intermediate that he has improved upon. But if you want that deep threat with Juice, who also offers you some technical aspect as far as a route runner, Xavier Worthy's your guy. Very good. Anthony Prohaska of Cover One on Twitter. It's at pro underscore ant. And, uh, you know, log on. Follow Anthony. I retweeted uh, his appearance here. And uh, you'll be getting all 22 within, what, like 20 minutes? You're on it a lot, and uh, it's a service. (laughs) I appreciate it very much, Anthony. Great work, as always. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, and uh, enjoy the cold and enjoy the snow. Yes, very much so. (laughs) We'll do our best. (laughs) Anthony Proeska, Cover One podcast host of uh, Disguised Coverage, is the podcast. Does some work on the film room. And uh, like I said, like, you're just going to follow him, at pro underscore ant. Lots and lots of film. You know how much all 22 I watch these days, Nate? A lot. I mean, just because it comes to me. Because it's in your face. It's nice. It's very yeah. It's very available. Yeah. There's a clip of, funny clip of Worthy that Anthony had where he, he said his player comp for Worthy is Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, I saw just, that too. Yeah. It's just because he runs through the face of a defender one time. It's pretty pretty good. All right, 803-0550. We've got a couple of things to get to, of course, throughout the morning, including there's a, there's a – you know, we got all these fledgling leagues and new leagues, and they're all trying the cool rules that other leagues talk about, right? Picking, they're too scared to do. Picking your yeah. own opponent or um, the play-in round in the NBA or the Elam ending. One of those fancy-schmancy, analytics-driven formats is being adopted in a league. And it would have been relevant here. You know, like eight, nine, ten years ago, we'll get to that. I think it's a fun thing to talk about. And uh, Josh, are you in on leap seconds? You can tell us what's up, or is your brain melted? I, it's it's hurting. I don't understand. <laughs> I really don't. I, I'm I'm trying to understand for for the people. Okay, for leap seconds. I, I'm, I'm gonna. Yeah, it's we're getting there. You look I, you look defeated. It's a lot of information and a lot of <laughs> acronyms and a lot of oh time. All right. Yeah. All right. We'll see where that takes us to. Jeremy White, Nate, Gary, Joe, out today. It's uh, 828. It's cold. It stopped snowing here in Amherst. Sunny outside, but, uh, you know, the temperature drop has not been fun. It'll be nice tomorrow, though. You can join us if you'd like, 803-0550 on WGR. We franchise T. Higgins because we want him to be a part of the Cincinnati Bengals because he's a good football player and we had the resources and the salary cap situation to do that and uh, we don't want to lose good players and T. Higgins is a good player and that's where that is. Hypotheticals are hard for me to answer but as anybody knows you start uh, ruling things out and sometimes you look like a fool. Duke Tobin, Director of Player Personnel of the Bengals, on the decision to franchise tag T. Higgins. We've got a stat of the day for you. It's not a conventional stat of the day. It's just something I I was looking up trivia, and in the process of putting together some instant trivia, I found a stat of the day for you on the Bills. And let's just say like this is, this is proof that I can uh, – give you a stat that you know I'm not I'm not above ignoring wide receiver for a little while 
So you said it with such disdain, though. <laughs> it's like you said well, it out of your mouth. Here's the, let's. It's a stat about perception versus reality. Then we're going to get this uh, the gold plan in uh, a sports league that's being implemented. So, Nate, the reputation the Bills have, if they take a defensive lineman, right? They take a defensive end or defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. We all know, without even saying it's a bad pick, we don't like the pick, don't like the player. You might. The phone lines will light up for another asset on the defensive line. Holy cow. I mean, I might be saying it myself, but holy cow, how many, how many times can they do this? <laughs> so I looked it up. Their defensive line picks in the last four years. It's Epinesa, Basham, Rousseau. That, that's it. It's not been a ton, ton. It's not been a lot. They took Ed Oliver, number one, in 2019. Since then, 29 picks and three defensive linemen. It's only three. They've taken a punter and a kicker. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. the stat of the day is like in the last four drafts, there's only been three defensive linemen total. If you do defensive backs, you get a lot more. Even I'm, I'm talking guys whose names you forgot. Defensive back, seventh round, Alex Austin. There's Benford and Elam. Mm-hmm. Damar Hamlin, of course, draft pick. Corner Dane Jackson, seventh rounder. You just get. Defensive line really has not been something they've spent. I know, first-round pick in Rousseau, second-round pick in Basham, second-round pick in Epinesa. Big money on you know different guys here and there, whether that's Vaughn, Leonard Floyd, but maybe it's a That's little, what it is, by the way. It's that they've spent money and, yep. and picks, right? Yeah. That's right. Trent, yep. Trent Murphy, Mario Addison. They're rotating guys. They want a lot of bodies there. They always do. So anyway, stat of the day. I just wanted to get that because there's a little bit of – I don't know, perception versus reality on that. You know, the perception is they do nothing but spend picks on defensive line, and they really have not done it that much. So there you go. That is our stat of the day for you. Surprised? Stat of the day brought to you by Seneca Gaming and Irving, home of the biggest bingo payouts and slot machines with thousands won daily. Only three. I'm not surprised. Prized. It feels like more. But, again, I just think you. what ends up happening is you lump in all the money they've spent. And, listen, is, is especially today. Now, people felt this last year, two years ago, before they signed Von Miller. But I think now, because of what they still owe Von Miller and what they're getting, there's a even like starker, starkier, whatever the word is there, um, hatred of the idea of spending more. Because you have this enigma making lots of money who right now is probably in a lot of people's minds holding the team back from really adding a piece somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, that was the risk with the signing. It is. And I don't know that you should abandon all hope that he could still be serviceable. I don't think last year is any indication of what he ultimately will be. I think that's probably right. I mean, it doesn't mean he's going to get back to his peak form, but I am not giving up on that yet. I also know what I know about Von Miller is he is an athletic and like gym freak. I also know he's a Hall of Famer that's not going to want to end his career with the thoughts being the way that they are around him 
from his performance last year. That's the one thing I hold out hope. It's like, A, he's a Hall of Famer. B, that dude, when he's in the offseason, the workouts that he posts, he's a workout freak. Like, he'll have his body ready for the season. And I also think there's just that level of pride that, like, he's not going to want people to think that's the player that he's going to be when he ends his career. Yep. God, that's what we hope anyways. Okay, so two things from the Professional Women's Hockey League. Yes. They have decided to do a couple different things that aren't done all over the place in sports. So it's the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association. They announced yesterday their playoff and draft formats. In the playoffs, top four teams make it. What are they going to do? First place team chooses its opponent. You have 24 hours to pick your opponent in the semifinals. It's actually so, kind of cool. So you pick your matchup. Yeah. Who, who do you want to play? You're the one seed. We do that in fantasy football in our leagues. Oh, really? Yes. Top seed picks opponent. Pick your matchup. So they're doing this now for the, the PWHL is doing that. That's not that radical. A lot of teams are probably afraid of it because of, you know, bulletin board material. Hashtag bulletin board. So that's the first. Yeah, you don't want to be the team that picks someone and then loses. You just don't want to lose either way. <laughs> that's right. Whether you pick them that's or not. Right. That's right. It's still a loss. But it would be fun to have a show where, like, all right, hey, Bills and who? Who do you want? They're going to announce their pick at 4 o'clock today. Let's talk about who they should pick. That'd be fun. The other thing they're doing, initially built out or proposed by Adam Gold. He's a statistician who proposed this idea at the Sloan Analytics Conference in 2012. The Gold Plan is how they will award the draft order. And if you don't remember what the gold plan was, let us let me let me take you back in time to a time when the Sabres were aiming to finish last. And we argued about it. Excuse me. And some of us had a really good time and enjoyed it. And others thought they need to change everything they can to stop this from happening. Which, you know, I understand. Here's the gold plan. Once a team is mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, it begins earning draft order points. In all other games, you're mathematically eliminated. You start winning after that, you get points in a separate column, draft order points, using the same point system. So if the Sabres were to be eliminated from the playoffs tomorrow, every game they win after that, they get two points, right? The team with the most draft order points at the conclusion of the regular season earns the first pick. The non-playoff team with the fewest draft order points selects second in each round of the draft. So that means that you win after losing. And there's a couple of examples of how this has played out. Like in baseball last year, Oakland had the worst record. Oakland would not be picking first. They'd be picking second. The Royals Hell last yeah. year, there you go, you're a Royals Woo! fan. They were eliminated about two and a half weeks after the A's, but had more wins in that time, so they would be rewarded. Basically... Once your team's eliminated, you would not root for your team to lose. You would root for your team to win. Is it perfect? No. Because what would I do? I should be hired as a tanking consultant. They just, Give me your plan on how to avoid tanking, and I'll tell you how I will tank right through it. Yeah, you'll, fi- you'll always find a way. I'm going to find a way. And this one's very easy. How do you tank through this? You just tank harder earlier. Yeah, right. Tank hard early. Make a deadline acquisition. Think about this if this existed in, like, the McDavid year. All right, here's what we're going to do. The McDavid-Eichel draft. We're going to – we're going to. Well, I mean, this is going to be the tank of a lifetime. 
We're going to start 0-60, and, and at the deadline, we're buying. Yep. That's a fun year. Yep. Wow, but the, 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 but the, wait, the Sabres, seeking their first win, have acquired Timo Meyer, Jacob Chikrin, UC <laughs> Soros. They're going for it here. They're going it's for not, it. It's not that bad. I just, I would just, 22 and 60, baby. I would just tank hard early and then go for it. So my question for you is, with this... What what wouldn't stop you from wanting to be the first? What what what's the benefit of being the absolute worst team when the deadline of you know when you're mathematically eliminated? You want to be mathematically eliminated first? Yes. Okay. As early as possible. Yeah, because what if you're eliminated on the last day of the season? Then then you've got no time to acquire points. But then it's just like the regular system where you were almost a playoff team. You were too good. The draft order points are just separate from your actual points. If you're eliminated on the last day of the season, you have 89 points. So you were never in the mix. Yeah. Anyway, what it what it does among other things, it also eliminates the lottery. There's no more lottery. The PWHL will not have a lottery. They just have the gold plan. So, I think it's interesting, it's fun, it's different. Would I sign up for other leagues doing it? Sure. I don't have any problem with But again, let's ready? Let's play it out right now. The NHL standings. The way they are, where these teams are. If you are a team like the Sabres right now, who are you are not mathematically eliminated, but you are, mm, boy, Chicago and San Jose are going to be eliminated soon. They have 35 points. So a team like Columbus might be in a good spot. You only have to get eliminated soon and then start winning games, yep. and you could pass these teams that are so dreadfully bad. It, it It's interesting. I don't fully hate it. I don't think it kills tanking. I think in a year like, you know, even though we're kind of joking about what would happen in a McDavid year, let's say you know Austin Matthews is available next year and you're a team that's going to be bad. <laughs> All in 60, baby. And then start buying. Anyway, the PWHL to do both those things. And that's cool. 8030550 to join us. Jeremy and Nate with you. Joe's out today. Josh Schmidt's here, still working on leap seconds. In we've, the, in we've the, made some progress. In the break, he told us that every couple of years, time goes backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, by the way, is like such a weird thing to drop on people, yeah, yes. by the way. Hey, guys, here's what I found. You put me on this. You I, made me look for this somebody, stuff. It's, it's, it's leap day, and somebody wanted to learn about leap seconds. said, if you want to go down a rabbit hole, learn about leap seconds, and you're doing it. And today you've learned that time goes backwards. Some, Only slight. I'll explain more. Okay. It's... It's complicated. Should we call a scientist or a doctor or something? I don't know who you would call, <laughs> but we could find somebody. Is there a time An si- anthropologist. I don't know. Yeah. Is there a time scientist listening right now? Is that a, is that a position yeah, people have? What's that called? A time? It's, it's, it's an agist of some sort. A timeologist? <laughs> yeah. If there is one, they probably work at the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Because okay. that's right. one of the websites I've been looking at. Yeah, of course. Imagine, imagine yourself three years ago saying that sentence. Nice at everybody. Yeah, imagine nice. if I. Every, everybody doesn't know it's nice at. If I was in, if I told my freshman year college <laughs> self that I was doing this on a Thursday afternoon or Thursday morning, yeah. look yeah. at me. I can't even. Yeah, your, your leap year's so screwed up. You think it's <laughs> the afternoon, right? What'd you do at work today? Learned about time going backwards. Mm, okay. All right. Here at WGR. Do you see Tenet? Yeah, but I didn't understand a damn second of yeah, it. Yeah, I have not seen it yet because I turned it off because I didn't understand it. And I love all the Christopher Nolan movies. Me too. And it's about time going, whatever. 
I gotta get to. It. I gotta see it. I gotta like. It's gonna take a full commitment. We should re- we should reverse time so we can hit break on time. I'd like to reverse time on this show. I never get these three hours back. <laughs> All right, we'll get a break in. Maybe we'll learn about time going backwards. I I don't know. I also want to tell you other stuff to get to today. I want to get to uh, the Chiefs being the new Patriots. We got to make fun of them a little bit. And uh, I still haven't made I still haven't made you gasp at the uh, Tua market value numbers. Where I you know I'm the guy for this. I know you. So. I know this is your wheelhouse. We'll get to that, too. Time for another ticket giveaway. Be caller 5 to win a pair of tickets to the men's college basketball tournament watch party at Seneca Resort and Casino. Thursday, March 21st or Sunday, March 24th. The open court ticket includes unlimited access to the Fantastic Buffet, five hours of tournament viewing, high-speed internet, and a cash bar. First come, first serve. Seating must be 21 and up to win. Visit SenecaNiagaraCasino.com for details. Gotta get you the pick of the week here. Is it cold outside? I mean, we're inside, and I know if I it look was at, chilly this morning. If I look at my phone; it's going to say, "Well, like 30. and it looks beautiful. It does. The sun; it's deceiving. Twenty-three. Yeah. Jeez, it's tough. That is tough. Time for the pick of the week. Pick of the week is brought to you by Riverfront Auto Sales. And looking through the schedule here, like what? What's the right? Best event. Pick of the week from Riverfront. 2016 Audi A5. If you're going to start thinking spring, this is the car for you. All leather, beautifully maintained, convertible with low miles. Buy it now at RiverfrontAutoSales.com. Call my friends Marty Sr. Marty Jr. at 886-1626. Maybe go today because people aren't thinking convertible. But by tomorrow, it's nice again. They might. So that's pick of the week is an Audi, an Audi A5 convertible. Pick of the week. It's a decent golf event. The PJ National at the Honda Classic. A lot of water at that course. Yep. We're a couple weeks away from Bay Hill, and then we get into the, like, the real meat of it, right? Bay Hill, the players, the Valspar. I even like the Valspar. The Masters is about five, six weeks away. Maybe the pick Can't of the week wait. should be Taylor Gooch and his incredible foot-in-mouth ability. It's incredible. Taylor Gooch, who's never done really anything, saying that the, if Rory... One PGA Tour win. Yeah, if Rory wins the Masters, it won't count because the field, it won't be full, even though it is a, it's the Masters. The field's going to be just fine. And Rory is yet to win that Masters for the career Grand Slam. Okay, man. <laughs> yeah. Okay, man. Yeah. Sure. Pick of the week. I mean, Sabres, Vegas Golden Knights. I don't know if Eichel looks like he's going to play. He was back to skating yesterday, maybe. But the Sabres need to string together some wins. They played Tampa tonight. Working theory for me is that Tampa stinks. This Nikita Kucherov is still really good. He, he is. He's it's, very good. It's one of the frustrating things about this season is that Detroit is doing the thing the Sabres are supposed to do, and even with that happening, Tampa's sitting there just vulnerable, ready, ready to be taken. For this the picking. This yeah. is a year for the Sabres to have not finished in the bottom three in the division. You've got, you know, Florida, Boston, Toronto. They're taking those top three spots. And then Detroit and Tampa. Tampa's fifth. Yeah. This was a year to pass Tampa. I don't. It's disappointing to not be up there. So Sabres and Lightning tonight, by the way. You can uh, catch that game here on WGR from Tampa. Jeremy and Nate. You can give us a call if you want. Final hour of the show coming up, 803-0550, 888 550 
if you'd like to uh, join in. Have a wide receiver idea of the day. Let's call it a bargain wide receiver in unrestricted free agency. We'll do that next. Wide receiver idea of the day coming up. You need to create explosive plays. All aboard! Okay, wide receiver idea of the day. I don't know that we've done this guy yet. Maybe Joe did when I was out. I don't think so. But it's relevant to today. Jeremy and Nate. Nate's in for Joe today. So, three little letters here. Again, we're... This is like a bargain shop, maybe. MVS. The Chiefs are cutting Marquez Valdez-Scantling and saving money by doing so, saving about $12 million in cap space. He is a speedster, uh-huh. deep threat. They signed him to a th- – I didn't realize this when I, I looked to see like the cap situation. They signed him to three years, $30 million. He got a nice little number. He did. And it wasn't a total failure the entire no. time. I mean, he played with Aaron Rodgers before that. But if you go back, MVS is 29 right now. It's not as old as I thought he was, to be honest. No. In 2020, he had 696 touchdowns, led the NFL in yards, yards per, per catch. Yep. yep, deep threat for Aaron Rodgers. Numbers dipped in 2021. He missed six games. In 2022, career highs with catches and yards. Catches. Finished 687, two touchdowns, seven grabs for 122, and two touchdowns in the playoffs as the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And last year, of course, the Chiefs receiving core was a big disappointment. 21 catches, 3315, yeah, one touchdown. They're all career lows. He, I, I like the idea. He's a New York Jet. Going back to play with Rodgers? Yeah. Why? Because Aaron Rodgers is the general manager, and he's going to want guys that he knows. Does that mean he's going to want to go play play for Aaron Rodgers? Would he maybe want to play with Josh Allen? Yeah, maybe. This idea, isn't he a decent, cheap Gabe replacement? Yeah. Speed, vertical guy. He comes off career lows. I know what you're thinking. Why would I want a receiver from the Chiefs who drops footballs? Good, fair question. What you're, what you're looking for maybe is a bounce back. And they're going to draft one, and then you're going to add MVS for – take out – all right, here's a question. Who would you rather have, MVS or Deontay Hardy? Deontay Hardy. You, you – yeah? Mm-hmm. I, I need someone to return kicks. Oh, anybody can return kicks. He, he was – Hardy. Wow. I don't even know who you are anymore. <laughs> Returning kicks? How many – I mean, Hardy did have a pretty good punt return in the Miami game. It was important. But you only want him to return kicks. No, I mean... As a receiver, who's a better option for these bills? Is Joe Brady about to get Deontay Hardy consistently involved? I mean, Hardy had 15 catches. He was supposed to be... MBS only had like 20, so it was much better. He was supposed to be a more versatile version of Isaiah McKenzie, and they didn't even use him like Isaiah McKenzie... Light. No, and that's probably because Shakir started to blossom. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think, like, you could still, like, remember in preseason when they were lining him up in the backfield, Deontay Hardy? I do. 
And then they started doing that with Diggs. Yeah. Moving pieces all over the place. I, I would like to see, if if you have Deontay Hardy on the roster next year, you actually do that in games. But also, like, they were throwing Diggs a lot of screen passes. Unfortunately. Yeah. That shouldn't happen anymore. I, like, Hardy's a guy that you should do that to. You would think? Get him the ball in space. I like that little touchdown he had where he did the little motion into the backfield and then, you know, that was cool. Yeah. That was neat. Yeah. Well, I don't mind the idea. It could be really cheap. And if it was really cheap, I, you know, yeah, of course I'm it. I, I just, I think anyone that has ever once played with Aaron Rodgers and is now a free agent immediately, like, you're a New York Jet. They're going to want to make him happy. I'm thinking I'm going to dr- I think they might draft one. Although they, they, need they might they draft an offensive, offensive line. Their yeah. offensive line is so bad. It's very bad. It's very bad. It's worth pointing out Aaron Rodgers, you know, we're not it's going to be a quiet offseason for him probably. <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't we think that's going to be relatively quiet? Yeah, they censored him. Right, he's canceled. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. When we last saw Rodgers playing full time, I mean, he he won a couple MVPs late. Yeah. But his last game that he played... It's not good. In a win-and-in playoff scenario, he went 17 of 27 for 205, a touchdown and a pick. And that was the last game Aaron Rodgers played and finished. I don't know if this is a hot take, but he also is the reason that he got hurt. Like, he's his own... It's his fault. He had a guy wide open and held the ball. And that was part of the thing towards the end of the year in Green Bay, his last season in Green Bay, is him holding the ball too long. Hmm. And you can't hold the ball too long behind the worst offensive line in football. And they were the worst offensive line in football going into the season with a 40-year-old quarterback. And they still have that. In his last five games with the Packers, you tell me if this is good for five games. 1,013 yards, five touchdowns, three picks. That's his last Pretty five ordinary. games Pretty ordinary. in Green Bay. Yeah, And, you know, looking back at Rodgers, he leaves. They haven't spent enough on receiver. They haven't done this. And, that. and some of those guys that were with him looked just fine with Jordan Love. Very good with Jordan Love. Yeah, I mean, Rodgers didn't have Jaden Reed. No, he's good. And he didn't have Dontavian Wicks playing for him. So, all right, but... He had Christian Watson. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Romeo Dobbs. He did. Alan Lazard at the time. I don't know. I, I think that the idea that Rodgers is just going to return to form, the not last year where he missed the whole season, the year before was a bit of a Kind of ordinary. Well, if you saw someone go 48-37-26 on touchdowns, where do you think the next season would go? Back to 48 at age 40? The Jets still seem to think all, all the all the stuff coming out in New York here now, like this latest stuff about Mecole Hardman leap game plans, and there's some other stuff in there as well. Like you, what you get is the Jets, despite the season they had, really think that they were about to. They, I think they still think they, they were do. they were about to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I think the Jets still think that ownership, the coach. That's why they kept the coach and the GM, right? Because yep. they, they really think that. Everything died on the fourth play of the season, and what is going to come back to them is what should have happened. Yeah. Yeah. And, again, we said this last year, and their defense was good, but it was not as good as it was two years ago. 
Like they were not the same dominant unit that they were two years ago. Defense will regress. They're going to lose their best pass rusher. Like Bryce Huff's not going to get resigned. Yeah. And now you have Will McDonald, who they spent a first round pick on, even though they had four other defensive. Like, dude, their first round pick was a healthy scratch a whole bunch last year because they he couldn't beat out the guys in front of him. So like, defense regresses, man. It's not a year-to-year thing where you can rely on that to win you football games. Who finishes second in the AFC next year? Dolphins. AFC East, sorry. Dolphins. Dolphins? Jets, Jets have 9-8 and eight energy. <laughs> They're pretty close. What did they do this year? Seven, I think. I think they had seven wins. Yeah. Six wins. Anyway. They have, they have so much 9-8 and eight energy. It's the Dolphins, though. It's the Dolphins. MVS. I don't hate it. I think it could be cheap. I think it could be real cheap. How about the Chiefs signing him for three for – this is a point about how expensive receiver can get. Three for 30. And then drafted Sky Moore in the second round. And R- Rasheed Rice in the second round. And that, there's a point, Juju Smith-Schuster. Right. There's a point to be made about the Chiefs. Anyone pointing to the fact like, oh, maybe you can do it without receivers. The Chiefs certainly chased receivers. Yeah. They just missed on most of them. They missed on Mecole Hardman, and then he left and came back. Traded for Tony. Yep, traded for Tony. MVS, two second-round picks in Moore and Rice. Like They have been investing in receiver, and none of them have really been hitting. It's one of the reasons you wonder if this offseason they might just go out and say, hey, Mike Evans want to play yeah. here. Yeah. Or, hey, Michael Pittman. Who knows? They could, they could go big on a guy. They could do – it's funny. If they, hadn't, if they hadn't won Super Bowls, are they not in the exact same spot the Bills were when they were about to trade for Stephon Diggs? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we've got a good team here, and the receivers are just not doing it. Let's go out and buy one that's going to work right away. They could still do that. I mean, having won the Super Bowl doesn't mean they, they don't have to do it. it they, didn't, be- they, didn't, they didn't even have a Cole Beasley. No. They might not even have a John Brown. Rice looks good Yes, for Rice does look Rice good. looks good. But they're going to add somebody and try and be even better. But they gave MVS three years and 30 off of a 430-yard campaign in Green Bay. Like in three seasons with Green Bay, four seasons with Green Bay, MVS, he, he topped at 38 catches. He topped at 690, and that was three years and $30 million. To play with Mahomes, you would have thought that's going to look good, that's going to work well, and it never really worked that well. Wide receiver and, four, though. I mean, if he's not your wide receiver two, that's what I'm saying. feel good. Yeah, my, that's what I'm saying. As a wide receiver idea of the day, I think you could do a lot worse. You could probably do better, but you could you could do worse. He'll be, I think he'd be cheap. Eight zero three zero five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty to join us if you'd like to. Josh, I'm ready to learn about leap seconds. Are you sure? I think so. Do you want to go down this this it is rabbit hole? Leap day, February 29th. Famous birthdays include Henri Richard, Ja Rule, Antonio Sabato Jr. All right, I'm ready. Leap seconds. <laughs> well, let's start out with another fun fact for Leap Day real quick. American golfer Jimmy Demerit won his third PGA Tour event within an eight-day span, winning the St. Petersburg Open on this day in 1940. Then in 1948, Lawson Little earns his first tournament victory since his U.S. Navy discharge and is the last golfer to win a PGA Tour event on a leap year day. Okay. There has never been one since. 1948 has to yes. be on a has to be on a Sunday for that to happen. Is yeah, that what it is? Yep, that's got to line up real well. The fact that it lined up eight years 
right. apart is pretty crazy. So that's that's a fun fact about Leap Day that's easy to digest. Now let's get into this concept of Leap Seconds. Okay. So it was developed in 1972. That's when it started. Everybody knows that. And <laughs> at that time, they determined that the UTC, which is one of the types of clocks that I'm learning, there's two different types of clocks. They're two different scales. The UTC is the Coordinated Universal Time was 10 seconds off of the TAI, the International Atomic Time. So there's two different time scales here. So it's already set off in 1972 when it starts. It happens around every one and a half years, and currently the TAI is ahead of the UTC by 37 seconds. It's done so that you can keep things in, you know relative to the time of the Earth and the time that we perceive. So the Earth, I guess, slows down every once in a while, pretty much, is what they're saying. So what they do hmm? is every June 30th or December 31st, they stop clocks at the last second of the last day of June or December to put it back on sort of back on track. It's not even completely back on track. Is this every year? No, it's every year and a half roughly. Okay. Roughly. Roughly. I like that. Yeah. And there is a provision, so there we actually don't go back in time. There is a provision to take time back if it ever needed to, but the earth always slows down, it never speeds up. So the only time they would have to take time away is if the earth sped up. So instead of 59 60 stop, let the earth catch up, go, it would be 57, 58, 60. So you'd skip a second sometimes, but they haven't had to do that yet because the Earth has never sped up. So we actually don't go back in time. We just stop for a second and let the Earth catch up to us. And this is all done basically to keep the two clock systems kind of sort of close together. Kind of. <laughs> but they're 37 seconds off currently. Hmm. It's also done for just kind of... Timestamps and certain types of software and things, right. my, things like my, that. My not maybe obvious question, but maybe obvious question is: so if they stop time for like a second every year and a half, one, why aren't we just up watching them do that and be like, "Hey, look, time stopped"? It seems like the kind of thing that people would do. On like, I'd want to know. I'd yeah, people know would do it, it on the internet. And two, why is there not a conspiracy built around it? Right. That's what it feels I'm... like that should be right behind. That's where I'm at on this because I don't I don't know who developed it. I haven't been able to figure that out yet. But there's just so much to this. Like it's like every time I find something new, I peel back another layer and find another layer underneath that, and it just keeps going and going. So it, it's got great conspiracy theory potential. Um, apparently, there is negative effects of this in certain cases. Um, it can include problems. It can cause problems for things including data logging applications, telecommunication systems, and time distribution services. Special attention must be given to these systems each time there is a leap second. The last time that this article says one occurred was December 31st of 2016. Uh, okay. So we're well, due for one. We, we are very due. We're due. Well, the person that told us to look into leap seconds, uh, thanks. <laughs> I, I don't, like I said, I don't know if any of that made any sense. No, but I, uh, 
I'm I wouldn't say that I'm less confused. No. But I'm not more confused. I don't think I'm going to take it with me after the show and tell other people about it. Also, according so, to Dr. Bruce Washington from Australia's National Measurement Time Institute, B-dubs? <laughs> not only do days become longer, but the rate at which day lengths increase also grow over time. All right, someone's got to put someone has to stop you. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> this, this is this is me just this and this is what I've been doing for the past 2 hours. Yeah. This is what you put me into, so I'm just letting you know. Yeah, you can't really pull the the ripcord on him after sending him <laughs> on an expedition. That's true. You know? Eject. Yeah. <laughs> eject, eject. I'm closing out of all the tabs, and I'm never yes. going to look it up again. Yes. Meanwhile, all your algorithms on social media are going to be yeah, about good like, luck. time travel. Mm-hmm. Josh Reed just tweeting out some stuff from the Combine today. So defensive linemen will do testing today. And also, you know how it works is the, the day before is interviews, and then the next day you test. So for the Bills, yesterday was defensive linemen. They test today. Today, we're hearing from safeties. Minnesota safety Tyler Newman has formally met with the Bills. Okay? You're going to hear a lot of safeties that have met with the Bills. So, there's another one. Tyler Newman, Minnesota. And I saw another one who said, I'm sorry, went away from my feed. Let me get, let me rewind seconds, see if I can go find it. Um, let me use the leap day, leap yeah. seconds to my advantage. There was another safety I, already, I, I just saw that, Visited with the Bills. Let me find it here. Safeties in the NFL Draft 2024. Once I see the name, it will. It wasn't Cam Kitchens. It was mm, maybe a little bit deeper in the draft. Anyway, you can see safeties talking about meeting with the Bills. Okay, makes sense to me. They need safety. They might need two safeties. Hey, what's going to happen to Poyer? They're going to bring back Taylor Rapp, right? Yeah. And that's fine. He was fine. A little reckless, but made plays when he was in there. When they moved him away, when they put Poyer in that big dime role instead of him, he that were that wasn't his his jam. Yeah. He was way better as a deep high, as a as a, you know, two high safety, one high safety guy. He was not he was not the box guy that I think they thought they were getting in him. Receivers run on the weekend. Have you seen people projecting 40 times? Yeah. That's my new favorite thing. I love that, yeah. Projecting 40 times. That guy looks like he's going to run a 4-4. I think he's going to run a 4-2-9. Yeah. Tom Brady ran a 40 time. The NFL just posted it a minute ago. Today. Yep. He ran today? Yep. Of course he did. And he ran faster than he did back then. Of course he did. (laughs) Yeah. That's funny. Um, On projecting 40 times... Xavier Worthy, 33rd team, Derek Klassen, who we talked to yesterday. He at the 33rd team. They're projecting Xavier Worthy to run a 4.29. And I just want to say something right away. I'm going to get this out of the way right now. You ready for him to go to the Dolphins? Don't don't put that out there. Man. Would they trade Waddle and just get the next fast receiver? There's been a little bit of rumbling about Waddle. There has been. I don't think they're going to trade Waddle. I think they'd be silly, too. Eight oh three oh five fifteen. Do that. There is a rumor of a juicy quarterback trade. There is. Did you see the recent the updated odds in the sports book? I did see the updated odds. We'll get to this quarterback trade when we get back. I will say it is the player and team that I've the most Long wanted wanted to see yep. together Agreed. as 
a good idea in a trade. That's next, coming up. And one more time, Brandon Bean, you're going to punch me dead in the face. Big running back. <laughs> Big running back. Continue to have that. I love having Cook. Yeah. I still want a thumper that can come in yeah, and give, Johnson you, did some give, nice you, give you 8 to 10 year. carries. But I want a thumper. That is Charles Davis. He was on with Chris and Maddie on One Bills Live. Thumper. Audric Estime. Who? Audric Estime. Notre Dame. Audric Estime. Yeah, get used to it. Get Hear that name, brother. He's going to run in the four, high four, four. Here I am. And he's a thumper? Here I am, predicting four to 40 times. But really, I've, I've watched every single snap of his because, obviously, you know, big Notre Dame fan. He, uh, he is a runaway 230-pounder. Like, he runs away from people. Nate Tice did some, uh, did some work on him. If you, if you go check out some of the All-22 that he's posted, he is 5'11", 230, and is going to run a high 4'4", four, four, low 4'5". Four, he's a... And he's one of those guys that can like you know jump over a safety. He's he's not going to probably be a third or fourth round pick. Well, then he's going to go early. Is that early for anybody? I mean, no. the The bill if the Bills spend a first, second, third, or fourth on a running back, we riot. I I, I could be fine with a fourth. No. no, they like to they 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 like to keep the cupboard stocked. No, yes, they do. They they have drafted way too many running. They backs. have. They have. All right, I'm watching my first highlight. Could always get Zach Moss back. Aldrich Estimate. He's a free agent. He yeah. was he was damn good. He was good. He's one of the better running backs in football last year. Estimate. Well, I was told that Charles Davis wants a thumper, and I'm, I'm not seeing very much thump to this game yet. He's like you said, he's running through people, running away, running away. Oh, he jumped over safety. Yeah. Now you said that would happen too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll take that safety off the board, and uh, Aldrich Estimate. Yeah. I need to know. You know what? This is a fun year, or a funny year, however you want to say it, for running backs because in the fantasy football universe, mock drafts, uh, if you're in a dynasty league in fantasy football, the mock drafts this upcoming year and your dynasty value, whatever, your dynasty franchise There draft, is no legitimate, there's no top guy. No. And that's in every dynasty league, running backs are the thing. They're usually going one or two. Yeah. The top guy's going one or two. Now, like, like I know, I'm, in, I'm in a quarterback-heavy league. Quarterbacks going to be the first three picks. Sure, if it's super flex, you're going to go yep. quarterback. And even even if you need one, you might go quarterback. The last few years, think of the top of fantasy drafts. It was Bijan and Gibbs last year. And the year before that, or a couple years before that, it's DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, Najee Harris, like four of the top five. Devin HN was relatively early last year. This year in Dynasty drafts, it'll be really interesting. We won't know, of course, until guys land on teams, unless you're in one of those leagues like Chopin and Salar, where they draft, well, in February. But, Nate, a Dynasty, a dynasty rookie draft is going to go receiver, receiver, quarterback, receiver, 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 tight end, receiver, 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 quarterback, receiver, receiver, running back. Maybe not that far down, but early Dynasty fantasy mocks, there's just no running backs. It's a ton of receivers. Mm-hmm. Which quarterback's the right answer? I mean, Jaden Daniels might be might be the one, depending on fit. 
Yeah, I mean, I, that that's the thing is where they go. And some some leagues they don't give you the luxury. You got to pick before these guys get drafted, which is tough. I got one league that does that. Insists every year we draft before the actual draft, so that you don't know where people are going. That makes it really hard. And they're all draft guys yeah. in this league, which makes it even harder. I've got the I've got two top four picks in one league. If mm. I told you two top, we haven't done the lottery yet. Could be first and second. Could be third and fourth. Super- uh, Superflex? No. Marvin Harrison Jr., as soon as you can, if you can. Hopefully. If I mean, you can. Again, right. But if you're coming out with two of the top four, you're getting either Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, Roma Dunze, or top quarterback, or maybe Brock Bowers, depending on where that ends yeah. up. Yeah. It's going to be loaded. So hopefully if you're in a dynasty league, you have needs at receiver because they will be filled. I've already told my entire league I have dibs on Lad McConkey. <laughs> There's no way anyone's getting between me and a guy named Lad. As as you should. He's also very good. Yes. I which is too bad. I thought, hey, guy with a funny name, maybe he can last into like the third, fourth, fifth round. Nope. No, he's gonna be well thought of. Although there was a stat on him that I saw. It was McConkey and Worthy and one or two others. They don't have that many 100-yard receiving games, and the number of receivers drafted in the first round that have three or fewer 100-yard games, in the last, like, 10 years, there have been four guys. They don't get drafted Yeah, in the first or really even the second round, guys that don't have crazy production. And McConkie has got a lot of highlights, but he doesn't have a ton of 100-yard games, if that matters to you at all. Always trying to pick through all the smoke screen stuff, all the draft stuff. Anyway, eight oh three oh five. Lad McConkey. Lad McConkey. Let's go. I'll take Lad McConkey. I saw a comp for him that was Antonio Brown, which is a interesting comp. It's pretty good. Yeah. You can give us a call if you'd like. Eight oh three oh five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. How excited are you for when Tua signs his contract? Will you take days off of work to get after it and get after Dolphins fans? Think about that for a second. We do have to tell you about the the rumored trade. Justin Fields' manager posted on Twitter a video that said, you can hear it say, are you ready to go home? And then Justin Fields to the Falcons confirmed, hashtag the Bears and Dirty Birds. And this is his manager fueling fire in a big way that Fields could be traded to the Falcons. He'll likely be traded soon. Wouldn't it happen before free agency? Teams are going to want to know, am I going to get this guy or not? If I'm not going to get him, I need to plan accordingly. So remember last year when the Lamar Jackson stuff happened, how quickly teams declared themselves out. Like, no thanks, we're good, we're good. I would feel like that would happen with Fields, and this might happen soon. But Mike McDaniel, this is this is a video of Justin Fields happy, celebrating, and are you ready to go home? I love the idea. I feels in Atlanta. Adore the idea. Strictly for a fantasy football yeah. perspective, but also just from a like that offense, the the idea of Justin Fields and Bijan Robinson, what they could do with oh man, and maybe that means Kyle Pitts will be, you know, relevant to someone somewhere. Who's it? Who's their offensive coordinator? Their passing game coordinator is Zach Robinson. Oh. Came over with Raheem Morris. Yeah. 
Is he their OC? He's their OC. Okay. He sorry. He's their OC. He was the Rams passing Pass game corner. Yep. Yes, he was the Rams passing game oh. corner. So Zach Robinson is running that offense. We like this. Yeah, I mean, I we like this. As someone that's far too invested in the Atlanta Falcons from a fantasy football standpoint, I'll take Justin Fields in that roster. Yeah. Throw the ball to Drake London. Hand it off to Bijan. Bijan, man, Bijan. I know Bijan. Arthur Smith should be sued for crimes against football for what he did with Bijan Robinson. And he got another. I mean, how funny is it that he went to Pittsburgh? It's very funny. It's super funny. Yeah, it's very funny. But we, I, I really feel this, and this is probably my own being mad at my fantasy outcomes. I really feel like we got robbed of the ability to see a great player play because yeah. they did not give the ball to Bijan nearly enough. Literally, and, and they drafted a a running back in the top ten, and then kind of didn't give him the ball enough. Which, again, like in the same sentence is insane. You draft somebody that high, and then you kind of don't play him is weird. Yeah, that that game where he wasn't hurt, but maybe he was sick, but said he wasn't sick and didn't get any carries. And I mean, just what a what a mess Arthur Smith was at the end. And the fact that they were like, you know, we're really struggling. Do we feels like moving on isn't the right move, Arthur <laughs> Blank? You know, it's like yeah. what? Yeah. How about Raheem Morris going in and saying, if we had better quarterback play, I wouldn't be here. Which is true. Yeah. Talking about the state of the Falcons, he flat out says Our quarterbacks stink. Yes, if if this guy was better, I wouldn't have I would not be hired for this job. Anyway. Good for him. Good times. 803-0550-1888-550-2550. Sabres. Could they be, by the way, Atlanta? Could could he be like D'Amico Ryan's to you? Like Uh sure. Yeah. Like could they be Houston again? Raheem Morris? Yeah. Houston of the NFC. Where did he coach before? Tampa? Yeah, he was there during the Josh Freeman era. That's right. The first time he coached, they came out of that. And, you know, anytime a coach has a job and, and he was so young, doesn't have great a great quarterback, it's tough to win. But I don't know. I felt like there were somewhat positive reviews. And he got the job with Atlanta because he had a relationship with Arthur Blank. I saw an article about pressure on the Falcons because if it doesn't go well, the conversation is, or at least the story is, that you decided to turn away Belichick. Mm-hmm. Which, good for them. <laughs> good for them. Good for good for them for not, like, being bullied, bullying themselves into that. Letting, letting like, well, reputation decide. They really liked him, uh, not Belichick, but um, their new head coach. Gosh, why, why can't I think of his name now? Gerard Mayo? No, uh, Atlantis. Oh, Raheem Morris. Raheem Morris. Yeah, sorry. Um, he was like an assistant coach there for a long time. They really liked him in that building. Like ownership liked him a lot. Um, I say good for them for not convincing themselves that Bill Belichick was a good idea. How do you think that interview went? It probably went, I'm Bill Belichick. Yes, that's what I thought too. Yep. I... I'm a little disappointed Belichick's not in the league. I feel like it would have been a little, a little, little more entertaining had he been there. I thought people's takes about him and Vrabel being like, we'll, just, we'll, we'll be a defensive coordinator this year were hilarious. Those guys, you think Bill Belichick was going to be an assistant coach for some other team? No. Never. And there have been stories that the Niners thought about asking him to be their defensive coordinator. Yeah, it, I don't think so. No. Extendo Sports coming up in the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. Sal is in. Indianapolis, as the combine rolls on defensive line testing today, 
Wide receiver testing on the weekend. Wide receiver interviews tomorrow. Well, that's good. Let's see who we met with the Bills. We'll get some uh, perhaps revelations. Eight oh three oh five fifty extend the sports here on WGR. Breaking sports news airs first here. Guaranteed. WGR Sports Radio 550. 2020 Sports. Extendo Sports. One more giveaway. Time to give away tickets to a four-pack. Caller 5. Call 2214-WGR. Four-pack of tickets to the Western New York Sport and Travel Expo coming to the Hamburg Fairgrounds. That's from March 8th through Sunday, March 10th. Friday to Sunday, March 8th through 10th. Visit WNYSportsShow.com for details and tickets. Caller 5 to 2214-WGR wins a four-pack of tickets to the Western New York Sport and Travel Expo coming to the Hamburg Fairgrounds. Do you know that I'm not going to be able to watch the wide receiver testing? And do you want to know why? And you tell me which would be the better thing to watch. Okay. I will not be seeing wide receiver testing on Saturday. Because I'm going to Disney on ice. Oh. That'll be cool. Yeah, I'm kind of excited. I mean, the kids are going to be excited. I think they're going to love it. Yep. I'm excited. I just need my Encanto songs. Going to need some Moana songs. You know, the others are fine. Those are the two best. Disney on Ice. Yeah. I don't think I ever did that when I was a kid. Disney on Ice. I definitely have never done that. I've done. I mean, I've done Disney, but not on Ice. It's at at the arena. No, it's in Erie. Oh, they were here a little bit ago. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's what I yeah. thought. Okay. They're going to be in Erie. So. Nice little day trip to Erie, all right? Yeah, we missed it when it was here. Yeah. And uh, heading to Erie. Last time I was in that arena, Connor McDavid and Sam Bennett. Hmm. Bennett did not play that night. McDavid did. He had four assists. He skated faster than any person I've ever seen in my entire life. He still does do that. Yes, yes. Yeah. In the I, NHL. I, re- I returned from that trip immediately, came on the air and said, this person is the fastest player if he were in the NHL today. Yep. So, back to Erie. And what was it called at the time? I don't remember. I do remember a little... There's probably some sort of car insurance marina, uh, arena. Anyway. Some sort of car insurance. Yeah, that's probably right. Sal's tweeted out a look at the podiums and a look at uh, a little behind the scenes from the NFL Combine. Pretty cool. The Steelers have announced... Bill Hillgrave is retiring 30 years as the voice of the Steelers. 30 seasons he is retiring from the Steelers radio network. Bill Hillgrave. Bill Hillgrave. I don't think I ever met him. He was the color guy? Play-by-play. Play-by-play. Voice of the Steelers. Okay. Yep. Stepping away. Meanwhile, Sabres tonight. Sabres and Lightning from Tampa. And then home for the Vegas Golden Knights. Yes. You know, it's funny. The Sabres have felt really far out of it for a a while. And Brian Duff kind of laid out 
yesterday or two two days ago, how if the Sabres had just picked up the two points in Florida, if they'd find a way to win that game, they'd be at 60. That'd be nine points behind Tampa. With a head-to-head, win it. Now you're seven back. With two in hand. Like, we're... You know, missed opportunities. It's how it goes. It is how it goes. Tampa, 5-5 five and five in their last 10. The Sabres, 5-5 five and five in their last yep. 10. Muddling through. Yep. So, we'll see if they can pick up a win tonight. If they don't, you know, you're talking about being 13 points behind Tampa. And if it's not already over, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it will be... It'll be more over. Yeah. 13 points out. The... Math of it, though, we've still been looking at the cut line. It's a fun way to do this, I think. Erie Insurance Arena. Thank you, Brayton. That's right. I was right. It was was a car insurance arena. Um, So looking at the cut line, (laughs) I told you. (laughs) You did say that, yeah. Uh, Right now, Tampa is on the cut line. They have 61 points. Sorry, 69 points in 61 games. That pace is 92 Oh my gosh, they're so, yeah. Moving to 93. For the Sabres to get to 93 points, they need 35 in their last 46. So don't think about it in terms of wins and losses. Think, think uh, Just in points. Points gained and lost. So out of the possible 45, they need 36? Out of 46, they, they need 35. So okay. it's almost like a magic number here. The magic number is eleven. So what is that? What what's that record though? To get 35, 35 out of eleven, that's seventeen and three. Seventeen uh, and five. Seventeen and boy, yeah, you made me do math. There were how many games left? There are twenty three games left. Yeah, so like seventeen five and one. Yeah, they got that in them. Hey, just saying. Seventeen five and one. That we're just hanging think out of that. Only think about it in chance. terms of the magic number points lost. They lose tonight. Seventeen four and one. <laughs> Still alive. <laughs> Have you had a four game win streak? <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Right. Thank you, Nate. Thanks for coming. Yeah, in. Joe is back in tomorrow. Joe will be back tomorrow. We'll uh, keep covering the combine for you. Sal's there. Extra Point Show, the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show, is coming up. So stay tuned. We're also getting news. Every safety that's talking has met with the Bills. Not a surprise. The safeties, the linemen, and I can't wait for Saturday. I'll be tweeting maybe pregame Disney on ice about all the receivers. Actually, tomorrow the receivers will talk. Tomorrow. Oh, it's going to be so fun tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be every receiver that exists talking about how fun it would be to catch passes from Josh Allen and how great it would be to learn from Stephon Diggs. What a day we're in for tomorrow. It's, it's going to be a time. It's a great day for the wide receiver train tomorrow. Very excited. Okay, that's it for us. Back tomorrow. Extra Point Show coming up. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.